song. Ladies and gentlemen, we are tonight. We are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. Taz is here. I mean, Sal is here. And I'm here. Well, look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my own dick. But you're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for The Rundown. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. It's the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. I'm sorry. I'm not uh, I'm not taking that back. Hi, Sal. Hi, Adam. <laughs> Hi, Jason. Do the, words, do the words too soon mean anything to you? Nope. Have you been on this podcast before? Do we need to, uh, <laughs> do we need to reiterate JR's wife's death situation at least that was a couple weeks later this is like same day because so, it was in the news i'm pretty sure it was the same week all right fine but it wasn't like six hours ago no i don't know i don't remember when it was but anyway what's going on guys what you doing? oh same old same old well not really but you know hey why not uh yeah. so yeah, I, we just got literally rushing back now. We, My son is uh, doing fall baseball, and because they play up to the next level, this means we're on the 90-foot diamond now, so no more 50-70. So he's on the big boy baseball field. So uh, lots of stuff to practice and uh, lots of stuff to work on with all the kids. So takes a little bit longer, and cleaning up the field is a little, little bit more of a process. So, but He's also switched, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, he switched to a new AAU team this year. He's no longer with the same team he was with. So now they start, he plays his first game with that team this weekend. So we're all very excited for that. Nice. So, uh-huh. That should be fun. Is there a reason he switched? Just because he got older or because he progressed? Uh, uh, well, there was a, the coach he had didn't feel that he could do some things that he wanted to do or uh, they just had a different idea for how to use them. And he wanted to see what else was out there. And he met with a couple other coaches and he found one who he liked that he was comfortable with. He had friends on the team. So he just, so it's creative differences. Yeah. Um, I mean, but good ultimately, for him doing that already. At this yeah, no, and ultimately, like I said, like I told him at the time, like it's, it's your decision. I mean, I can tell you what I think, but, I, you get to decide where you're going to play. You're old enough now to make that decision. So yep. he agonized over it because he had friends on the other team, and I'm friends with sure. the coach on the other team that he ended up leaving. But it was, you know, he's got. Like I said to him at the time, you got to do the best thing for you. So absolutely, here we are. But taking yeah. his talents to shore or whatever. <laughs> oh, if he was taking his talents to South Beach, I'm sure Jason would love it. Even if it's for one season. <laughs> hey. 
big uh, Pats Dolphins game this weekend, actually. So we'll see how that in goes. in Miami. Yes, that should be a good one. That should be in a Benito Miami. I I loved Miami the one time I went. It's just. It was like a Girls Gone Wild, wild video come to life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just walking yeah. down the boulevard on the beach. I wasn't even, like, trying to party. It's very different than the Red Hook section of Brooklyn, New York, right? That's true. That's a good <laughs> point. And different from the nice fancy house I live in now in Long Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you compare the girls in Miami versus the girls at the Port Authority. <laughs> Adam, what's your? Is that a Knuckles shirt? It's uh, Knuckles Boxing Gym. Yes. Oh, I like that. Not Knuckles Nelson. No. Okay. Does Knuckles Nelson have a Knuckles mascot shirt that he uses? Because that would be smart. Doubtful. Yeah, he's he's not exactly the uh, up on the current stuff. So. Oh, because Knuckles is current. His shirt literally says 1994. (laughs) That's before Knuckles. Okay. Age of relevancy. There. So we got a lot to talk about this week. Really? Yeah. Something happened? A few things. Yeah. <laughs> couple things. Couple things. Couple couple haters. Sadly, no news from him. He remains irrelevant. But what can you do? Sadly? That's not sadly. So. I enjoyed him when he was on my TV. You don't seem to understand that. Who? Enzo. No. I did. Listen, we're going to spend a lot of time talking tonight about how you were very wrong about something. (laughs) Oh, yeah, me and about, I don't know, millions of other wrestling fans. Hey, Uh, We'll we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But we're not going to start there. Where are we going to start, Adam? I think we'll uh, dive right into Clash at the Castle. Which hits differently now since her royalness has passed away. (laughs) I mean, Jesus. But, okay, it's fine. The first stadium show from the UK in over 30 years. Whose fault is that? 30 years, gonna fucking... 30 years and four days, but still, over 30 years. <laughs> you could have went back me. at any fucking time. It, it killed me the way they were diving into that so hard. Over 30 years. Four days over. Four days over. They could have just said 30 years. It would have been fine. Hey, yeah. Tell me where they were factually incorrect. I know. Exactly. It's just funny to me. The things you don't say. Oh, we'll we'll talk a lot about tonight about just because you're factually correct doesn't mean you're not a fucking asshole. That that actually could be the tagline of this show. So, well, there's our title. <laughs> That's too long. Too many words. Anyway, <laughs> uh, was there a pre-show? Was there a was there a pre-show on Clash the Castle? If there was, they I didn't watch do, it. They don't Me do neither. matches on the kickoffs no more. Oh, we're doing no. First. no. Okay, I thought we were doing. NXT first, but that's fine. We're going to go in the... Chronological order. Going chron- chronological okay. order. Uh, <laughs> Saturday at well, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Yes. I'm the dumbass who turned in at 12 and was like, oh, god damn it. So there was a pre-show for The Clash, though, wasn't there? Yeah, but it was all Yeah, piano. but there's no, there was no matches on it. I thought there was a match. There might have been. I could have sworn when I turned it on there was like a match ending or something. Hold on, I'll be able to tell yeah, you in that was two seconds. Oh, there, there's a... Troy does have listed here Madcap Moss and the Street Profits defeat there Austin Theory yeah. in the Alpha Academy. Yeah, that's, that's a thing that happened. That's yep. 
Oh, uh, it lasted six minutes. Wow. Yeah, twelve people on the uh, on the prediction poll for Clash. So thank you. To since Troy's not here, I have to read this whole thing. Speaking on the Wrestling Observer Radio, Brian, piece of shit Alvarez, recently discussed his latest failed attempt at becoming an ambassador for JR's barbecue sauce. When asked why his attempt at being a spokesperson for the brand failed, Alvarez said he was told, quote, the only reliable sauce in wrestling is Fetus Rhodes. Nice. Bruno Tomas, adrenaline in my soul, where the fuck is Cody Rhodes? Injured. Uh, Rundown Wrestling proudly brings to you Dicko Loco Greatest Hits, the album with such songs as Don't You Forget About Dick, Dickie and Rhapsody, The Real Slim Dick. If you're one of the first thousand to buy this album, you'll get a free blowjob from Sal. Uh, myself, very generous of you, Sal. Long host. Use myself, promo code Sal at purchase. <laughs> Jordan Wedgwood, Jason Troy, Sal, God's Juggalo, Remo, and Jackson. Thank you all for participating in this one. Uh, so, yeah, apparently on the pre-show, Madcap Moss and the Street Profits beat Austin Theory in the Alpha Academy. I didn't watch the kickoff. Okay. We start the main show with the uh, six-woman tag team match. Uh, damage Control defeating Bianca, Alexa, and Asuka. Um All right. Sorry, Sam. We get <laughs> we get another we get another big stadium show without a proper set. And there were rumors of a proper set. Wait, we were supposed to get a big castle display. There was, was. the big castle was hanging above the screen. I think I that know, should have been the entrance. Big castle at the walkway. It was all video screen. That was above the ring. No, there was one at the entrance. No, no, uh, uh, yes, on the sides of the entranceway, which you can't see when somebody's walking down that well. There was a video screen, but I thought there was going to be a castle set like they had the roller coaster at WrestleMania that time, where they actually built one. So as opposed to just a video screen of bricks. (laughs) The only castle I saw was the one above the ring. If there was one by the entrance, I missed it completely. The one above the ring was. um, What about the ring? Was fucking awesome. Yeah, but it was it was I what do you call it? It was CGI. It wasn't like an actual thing you could like physically I touch. I'm pretty sure it was CGI because the dragon sh- shot fire and stuff like that. I think it was LED. Anyways, ah, regardless, uh, I enjoyed the hell out of this match. I thought this was a great opener. I enjoyed. It. I thought these uh, the six women did really well. I enjoyed uh, Dakota and Io grabbing Bianca's hands on the hand to to, to counter that. On the springboard, I thought that was uh, that was genius. Um, I really enjoyed this match. There was to a be couple, fair, I'm going to say that a lot talking about that's this fine, match, but that's fine. <laughs> um, there was a couple times that Dakota looked a little lost, and I don't know if it was just because maybe she's not used to working a stadium show, and it was just the volume, and she couldn't hear her. You know, the crowd who she was, was working insane. with. They will. Oh, the crowd was insane the whole time. How about that? How about immediately that chant for B or that song for Bailey and Bailey trying <laughs> her damnedest to to, to, get the, to to heal out of it? Yeah, heal, yeah. And she couldn't because they were just like, "No, we're just going to keep singing because no, they them. love them some Bailey over there." I mean, I don't blame them, right? <laughs> no, but did you th- did you get that too? That Dakota looked lost in a couple spots. No, not really. Okay. I think you get these multi-person matches. It's fairly simple for somebody to like lose a spot here or there to, you know, stumble a little bit because there's a lot going on. You get a lot of bodies. A lot of people are sometimes in the wrong spots. 
Um, oh yeah. But yeah, no, I wasn't super worried about it. Um, but yeah, damage control. Did they start calling themselves damage control before that showed up on the Tron at Clash? Because yeah. I don't remember. Did they? It had, been the, it had been the rumored name for a while. Yeah, right, been, but it wasn't they like they. Oh no, no, apparently I was like high or something. There wasn't a set. You're right. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Bailey tweeted that picture with just the word control, and it was like, right. oh, they're going to be called control. Or in control or something. Now they're damage control, which is eh, whatever. Yeah, it's it's an interesting name. An interesting name. I think I think the best part of this was the finish with Bailey pinning Bianca because it sets everything up, or at least you would think it sets everything up for apparently when Bailey feels like it. But you know, it's still fine. It's still fine. No, no, solid match. I, I had no negatives about it other than that I really don't like Alexa Bliss's new theme song. But other than that... Yeah, it's not the best. No. Actually, the, one of the more self-aware things I've ever seen recently was Alexa talking about this new thing. Now, by the way, sometimes she comes out with the doll, sometimes she doesn't. They either have to decide one way or the other. You're either going to or you're not going to. So on this night, she didn't. On Raw, she did. The night, the week before. Um, but one of the more self-aware things was she did an interview about her current character or whatever, and somebody said, and she basically said, I, I mean, I don't, the problem with my current character is, like, it's just me, and, like, I like Lexi, but she's boring, like, it's not, <laughs> like, I don't, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot going on there, I, I'm, I stay at home, I hang out with my husband, like, I'm fairly boring, and that's what they've told me to make my character, and I like a little something more I can sink my teeth into, basically. Right, like when she was the mean girl. And immediately, Dicko Loco went, I got something you can sink your teeth into. Um, Ow. You know, he's into some freaky shit, dude. It's true. Um, yeah, anytime, and anytime Alexa's been given something, she's taken it and ran with it. But yeah, you're right, this is just kind of... She's there. Um, as far as the doll, I think they're torn because... Apparently, the doll moves merch. So, they probably don't really want to get rid of it until the merch sales start slowing down. And people will get sick of it eventually. Phase it out. Yes. Uh, congrats to everyone except Cody and Dicko for point on that one. Up next, our intercontinental title match, uh, which we all expected to be a hard-hitting affair. Oh, this, this, That's one way of putting it. This blew me away. So this I'm going to take a bow here, because do you remember last oh, you week? you going to take a bow? Do you remember last week when I said, Sheamus has a history of these matches that you look at him on paper and you go, I don't really fucking care about that. And then he gets in there like with Drew and it's a fucking banger and you're on the edge of your seat for sure. it? Yeah. That's what that was, 100%. and that's what I called it. Um I mean, well, well-known fact. I'm not the world's biggest Gunther fan. I think mm-hmm. we've made that clear through. Although he's much more, I find him much more enjoyable now that he's working the style he's working than his previous one. True. Um, but yeah, I, this was this was just like a hoss fight between two big, strong boys. To borrow a phrase, um, they just beat the shit out of each other, and and. Also correctly predicted the return of Imperium. Yes, one of the notes that I had last week, uh, had I been on, was that they were just begging to reunite Imperium for like a three-on-three with the Brawling Brutes. 
Right. Now he's, I do. He's I, still I, Giovanni Vinci. That's what surprised me. No, oh, I'm fine with that. A little bit. I don't think he can go backwards. And we always Fabian Eichner. I, I mean, I think you because you you renamed. Dude, dude, um, this is Kaiser. WWE. Names are here today, gone today. <laughs> I know, but you, I like Kaiser and Vin, Vinci for for Walter. I'm sorry, Gunther's heavies or you know. That's Faction. fine. I don't care. I've, I've said on the show a bunch of times. I don't. I never care about name changes. But except the Gunther one was stupid, just because they called him Walter at the beginning of the show, right? Where he <laughs> said, "I am Gunther." So that, was, <laughs> that was sort of silly. But other than that, and I always say it's silly when you've established a character for a while, like Casey Catanzaro, and right. just randomly, okay, I'm Katana Chance now. Like, no, stop. But, um. Yeah. But no, first of all, it was great to see him Imperium reformed, pretty yes. much. Yeah, that was great. It's just to me, to me, it's just Gunther, yeah, Kaiser, Giovanni. No, no, Vinci. See, Giovanni <laughs> Vinci, Ludwig Kaiser. So it's yeah, fine. It works. To Adam, the strong German names are good. That's true. He doesn't like these Italian names. It's fair. Uh, um. Not only did these two beat the shit out of each other, but the crowd was there for it every step of the way. Yeah. And credit to Sheamus for crowd, absolutely playing the babyface role perfectly during this match. Um, to the point where they gave him a standing O after the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well fucking deserved too. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, and that's just a small note from SmackDown. To be fair, uh, Pete Dunne back to the Pete Dunne gear, still going by Butch. But he now looks more like the bruiser weight in the ring. Uh, right. No more. Oh, no more. Um, no more knickers and wife beaters. And <laughs> I suspenders. was gonna say the newsy. The newsy. Yeah, he doesn't look like look. a newsboy anymore. So, that was good. I'm, well, that's I'm good. Glad we made that change. Apparently, I was the only one to watch SmackDown. So, <laughs> I guess I, I, I watched. watched I I did oh, okay. watch Drew beat the fuck out of everybody at the end. So I watched the last thing. I watched uh, Unicorn Mjolnir fucking explode into a million pieces during that uh, <laughs> right. Viking warship battle. I also saw the, the, the fiend pulls a, pulls a sledgehammer out. Everyone boos. Kofi does it. Everyone goes nuts. It was uh, near. That's true. There's a difference. Um, uh, so any surprise? Gunther's... I was going to say any surprise that Gunther retained. Not really, right? No, not at all. No. Uh, well, let's find out. Was there any surprise, Adam? Everyone except Fetus, Bruno, Jordan, and Remo get a point on that. So we had four. Okay. Four. People. So we had a few people. Okay. Yeah. But it's, it's, I think like they played into the whole he's never wanted, he needs this one for the Grand yeah, Slam. for sure. Exactly. And I think that probably that, created a little bit of doubt in some people's minds. Definitely. It, did, it definitely did for me. Uh, like, I, not enough to, not enough to sway my, my decisions in the in the prediction poll, but uh, it certainly got me got me guessing. Especially uh, towards, like said, towards it, the end of the match, right? Like, you were like, oh, oh, are yeah. they going to do it? But it was like I said two or three weeks ago, whenever it was. In in that five man that they did, or however many people it was, that match to determine who was going to face Gunther Sheamus was absolutely the best choice out of that match. To as a guy who can go to this show, lose to Gunther and not lose any credibility, any points, anything like that. And to Jason's point, they fucking brought it, and it was it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, and and the thing is, I always feel like uh, Gunther, Walter, whatever you want to call him, is at his best when he's got somebody who can take his shots without looking 
you know, somebody that can stand there and absorb one of those mm-hmm. chops. And mm-hmm. like, you put him in there like a Leon Ruff, yeah, he's going to beat the shit out of the guy, but you're not going to get a whole lot out of it. When you see him in there with another hoss who can just stand there and trade shots with him, it's For sure. definitely when he's at his best. Absolutely. Uh, up next, SmackDown Women's Title: Liv Morgan retaining over Shayna Baszler. I wanted to like this one really badly. I really mm-hmm. did. I went into it and I was like, my biggest problem here really doesn't have anything to do with the match itself, other than the way it was sort of laid out, which was Liv is just a fucking punching bag now. Mm-hmm. To the point, where, like I understand, like she's the pretty blonde girl, and it makes sense to. You know, make her the underdog and try to drum up sympathy for her and that. But it's really hard to get behind a champion who is just getting their ass kicked every single time. There's, there's no even the win. The win was sort of fluky. There was no comeback. There was no Shayna tries to punch her and she stands there and challenges her and like something to like rally her back. It was just. Oh, okay, now she's done getting the shit kicked out of her. Oh, here's her finisher, now it's over. I was going to say, she lucked into a crappy Oblivion. Right. And and that was the finish. And I instantly was like, oh, who gives a fuck? (laughs) Right. Didn't do anything for Shayna, in my opinion. Didn't make her look dangerous or badass. Um, Even though to to a point... I would say being put in that spot was was a step for Shayna, given where she's been, you know? But she's been... Dude, she was in that spot at WrestleMania. Against Becky. Two years ago. Right? I know, I know. But it's but to, to Vince that, did some damage to that character. They that is true. a little bit, too. That is true. That's to, a fact. To a point that we've talked about before, when you're in the build to this match, even Liv was like, oh, you're just a baby Ronda, which is not... <laughs> why are you trying to sell this that way? Yeah, it's not good to sell it that way, because then it's like, I, why do see, I want to watch a the B-match? I, I did not have a problem with that, because that to me is like UFC press conference trash talk. Like, you minimize your opponent in that way, like mocking them and hitting them with something that you know is going to hurt. That's Conor McGregor shit right there. That's That stuff does sell fights. Yeah, um, but not from Liv. <laughs> no, but it's nice to see her stand. Like the, and, but this is a, this sort of goes hand-in-hand hand with my other point, is like, you yeah, see Liv her in these Liv. interviews standing up to these women. Liv spent the entire build for this match with her arm in a brace. Right, but then she can't fucking back it up when she gets in the ring, like, ever. Like, watch me. Watch you get the shit kicked out of you? <laughs> and eke out a victory? I mean, I'd rather go back and watch her in the bathtub at that point, because right. that was more compelling television. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's getting kind of repetitive, her matches. Like you said, it's just, let's beat the fuck out of her. And then at the very end, she'll win, maybe. Or she'll I just, count. you know, give her a few, maybe maybe she needs somebody other than, like, a certified badass like Ronda or Shayna to work off of. Maybe she needs, Dude, you know give what? her a Carmella program. I was just going to say sort of, that. Well, Carmella's back from injury, obviously, but when she can, uh, where she can, like, go toe-to-toe with somebody and be sort of the better worker in the program, the better, the more, the tougher person in the program. I think that would do her character a lot of good, actually. Yeah, there was some talking going into this. Uh, if this, I think you guys actually talked about it last week. If this was the point where Triple H pulls the switch and goes, "Yeah, lived and really works so good," um, to the point where uh, Cody, Troy, Sal, and Remo picked Shayna on this one, uh, so they get no points. 
I think they've 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 set the table still for the Ronda Live match. Still, I think they're not taking the title off of Live till then. <laughs> Though to her credit, if you believe the reports, Ronda's basically said like I like I prefer working without the title as a background. I'd rather do stuff where I don't have to worry about the title, where it's more about what I'm doing than what the belt is on the line, you know? I think that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Ronda's an attraction. She can sell pay-per-views without the title. Yeah. Yeah. But they put the attractions in the title matches, see Brock Lesnar and Goldberg. Yeah, I know. But that was a Vince thing, so let's see how it goes now. Edge and Ray versus Judgment Day. Okay, and allow me to say first to Sal, fuck you, fuck Troy, both of you, because last week, and by the way, I want a half a fucking point on this, because last week I sat on this show, and I said to my, to my, I did say Judgment Day would win, but I said they would win because Dominic would turn on Ray and Edge. And, and you were wrong. Both, and you both looked at me, and you said, fuck yeah, like that's ever going to happen, we're fucking teasing it forever, they're not going to do it. No, 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 so. specifically Troy said that. So, okay. fuck you both. I was right. Half point. No. Edge, you, he then, did not cost them the match. That absolutely did I didn't not say happen. it would cost the match. I said we would turn on them. You just said right now he would no, turn no, on I them said, and I cost said them the, the other match. day that they would lose because Dominic would turn on them and cost them the match. Yes, right. I was wrong about them losing, the, them winning the match. However, comma, I was 100% correct about Dom finally turning on them. That dick kick was amazing. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yes. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, that's what Edge said. That's what Edge said. To anyway, him, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Bruno, told, Bruno said that. No. Oh, Ginger said that. Ginger yeah. after I did. I, I didn't see. But you two did. days after, I, I give credit to Ginger. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Uh, don't get credit for nothing around here. Um, again, fair, fair, fair match. We can talk more about Dominic and the Judgment Day when we talk about Raw. I, so the book in here just made no sense to me because it's, yeah. Literally, I, I guess I can make the case, but literally, like, Dominic helped Edge and Ray win. And then immediately, And yeah. then joined the Judgment Day. Yeah. Because, and I get well, what they're going to say, which is Dominic helped them win, and then Ray immediately went over with Edge and sort of blew, Ray, blew um, Dominic off. And that's what sort of sent them over the edge. I get that. I, I understand where they're going with it. But I think the far better story is Dominic turns on them during the match and costs them the match. Plus, Judgment Day really could have used a fucking win, and Edge and Ray really didn't need one as a tag team. Yeah. To, to your point, the only people who picked Judgment, uh, who picked Edge and Ray to win were Bruno and God's Juggler. There you go. So, the way I took it was that Dominic was like, okay, in his mind, in kayfabe, you don't want to pick me as your partner, yet you're about to get beat. Finn Balor's going up for the coup de grace, and you're about to get pinned. I'm going to save your ass, Dad, because you need it, and then I'm going to kick your partner in the balls. <laughs> and I and I don't think he was even going to attack Ray until Ray defended Edge. Yes, a hundred percent. So, so that that's the way I took it. Was like, to be fair, you needed me to save you, but you didn't need me to be your partner. And then what he should have done was, it was me, Austin. <laughs> to be fair, that was a really good clothesline. No. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he laid him in. He it would have been way him. better if he hadn't like had his hand behind his head telegraphing it for a minute ahead of time. But yeah, that's true. Uh, well, he's still learning. He, he's still, you know, this is a big stage for a kid his age. Fair point. Um, now Ray has Ray has taken the Undertaker role and said he would never, ever, nunca, 
fight his own son. So I give that about three months. Because <laughs> they can't drag it out all the way to WrestleMania, but they can definitely drag it out to Rumble. Sal is a Mexican confirmed. Go ahead. Because I said Nunca. Nice job. Um, but no, do you, do you see them fighting at Rumble or sooner than that? Or when do you see that actually happening? Yeah, they'll do the whole Ray oh, versus was Dominic. They'll do the whole like Edge and Jeff, uh, Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy thing, where like I will not fight my brother, like I will not fight my son, and then eventually, under no circumstances would I ever fight my brother Owen. Yeah. By the way, if you saw those pants Rhea was wearing, (laughs) who could blame Dominic? Really, I mean, I will not fight him on a train. I will not fight him on a plane. (laughs) I'll fight him in a box. You know, we talk about we talk oftentimes about the best asses in wrestling, and I feel like Rhea never gets mentioned, and she should. There's just so many. I, like you said, that match, um, Bailey, uh, Bianca. We're going to talk about a huge ass in wrestling in another way later, but that's yeah. true. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Seth and Riddle. Holy shit, did I love this match. <laughs> this was everything I wanted it to be, top to bottom. Yeah. I thought Seth, of course, Seth. Oh, hold on, hold on. Sorry, just one correction. Matt Riddle? Yes. Matt Riddle versus <laughs> Seth Rollins. Um, he got his first name back. Yes. Uh, Seth's entrance gear was hilarious. Of course he's going to do something like that because he's fucking Seth Rollins. He's believe, Seth freaking Rollins. I, I believe it was Elton John inspired. Yes. And then the finish to this match I thought was great because it told the story of I actually got Matt Riddle like blind with rage. And that's how I won this match. It was, uh, you know what it was? It was the Randy Orton Christian storyline where Christian won the yes. title with the disqualification because he got Randy so worked up. Yes. Just sort of with a pinfall instead. Um, but credit to the, the way they did this with Seth, like, screaming in his face, like, this is why your kids don't see you, and this is why your wife took your kids away from you, and then Riddle just, like, firing up and, like, yeah. going ballistic. I loved it. Fucking loved it. I like the stomp off the second turnbuckle, too. Though. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Speaking of Randy Orton, credit credit to Randy Orton for just realizing today that his daughter's initials are bro. Nice. <laughs> bro. Uh, no, this this match was just... As, as uh, Sal, you and I talked about a few weeks ago when we showed these matches as going to steal the show. Uh, this so for me, I, I'm not sure whether this was match of the night or Gunther and Sheamus was because it yeah, was very definitely. very close Certainly. between the two. This Gunther. was for me because I was I was more emotionally invested in this one. Like yeah, sure, everyone had the title on the line, and that adds a little bit yeah. to it. And... I, I I'm leaning to this one, but Gunther Gunther and Sheamus is definitely my dark horse. Yeah, sure. Because like you said earlier, that was a match. Going into it, everyone was like, yeah, sure, it's, it's, Gunther's going to win. Okay. Right. And Seth definitely needed the win. Well, I, I didn't pick Seth, but he did need the win, and I think Which it was, was the right exactly call. exactly why I picked him last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the right call. And Jason get a point for that. Because we can, we can run it back now with extreme rules. So. Can, Hunter, I know you listen. Of course can he does. Please. Move away from gimmick match pay per views, please. No, 
<laughs> well, apparently the plan is to make Extreme Rules actually meaningful again this year, <laughs> so we'll see. And this is, I believe, the last year they're going to do it, I read. So Really? They want to uh, go out strong with it. But <laughs> Hell in a Cell... Elimination so, Chamber being, so, being well, specific. So here's the deal. The story I heard, for better or worse, whatever it ends up being, is that next year's Extreme Rules will be replaced by WWE doing war games. That's fine. I have no problem with that. And I prefer it. I think I'm Hell just, in the I'm Cell... that we go back to the stories needing the matches, not the matches. No, matches. of course. Uh, that's the problem. Any Hell in the Cell match in the past, or no, let me rephrase that, most of the Hell in the Cell matches in the past five years have lacked the build. What was the last truly memorable Hell in a Cell match? I remember... For a good reason. Uh, oh. <laughs> For a good reason. I was I going to say, Cody I and Seth, yeah, Seth because versus... of Cody's injury, but... I was going to say, I remember But for me, Seth it's probably Seth. New Day and Usos. That's the last one I remember being really attached to. That was the last... No... Did that happen first, or did Becky versus Sasha happen first? Because that one I really liked. I don't remember. So both of those. Both of those would probably be the standouts in the best yes. years. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll never forget Seth versus The Fiend, but for different reasons. Right. Everything's Which red. Which is why I clarified. I knew you were going to say that. Everything's red and impossible to see. <laughs> right, and in your main event... Roman Reigns retains the UWU Championship. Drew McIntyre, thanks to the only USO allowed to get on a plane. Well, I was a little surprised. I thought I honestly thought Heyman was coming out with them because he was in the graphic. No, Heyman's, said, still, Heyman's still dead from SummerSlam. Right, but they said like in one of the graphic packages it said Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman. And I was like, okay, so Heyman will be there. But no, he wasn't there, and the Usos weren't there. Um, and they hooked me, because the whole time, from the beginning, from when Drew came out, to, you know, the crowd innovatingly oh, singing Drew's you name. got the fucking broken dreams. Oh, Drew, man. I can tire. That was got, great. I, and I bet. I, I totally thought Drew was winning the belt. We got just yeah. that little soupçon of... Broken yep. dreams and the yep. little pre-match little thing, and it just made me so happy. Yeah, I fucking love that song. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the match was was great. I mean, they just great the shit out of each other. Uh, to it was a little different than the riddle because the stakes were so high. Because for the first time in a while, you really didn't know whether Roman was going to hold on to the title or whether they were going to pull the trigger and make the switch. Um, and because of all that, all the false finishes hit. And yes, for sure. When the false finishes hit in a match, the match goes to another level. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of matches where we already know what's going to happen, so the false finishes we really don't even bite on. As a fan watching, when you can bite on a false finish, it just raises your level of enjoyment for the match uh, just a hundred times. And every falsy that Drew had here, I fucking bid on, and I loved it. I, I really enjoyed the match, honestly. These two have great Definitely. chemistry together. 100%. You know what was one of the greatest falsies I, I can remember? Um, that Hell in the Cell with Triple H and Taker, when Sean was the special referee at Mania, and he hit him with the super kick into the pedigree. Bro, any any of the falsies in Shawn Michaels, or either of Shawn Michaels and Undertaker matches at WrestleMania. Sure, but like you just... 
to to have them DX Taker and that be the way that the streak ended, everybody was like, oh, so fucking great. But yeah, no, this match had all of that to the point where CM Punk still thinks he should have been the one to break the streak. Was, um, but to the point where I think Drew hit the the Claymore, and I was like, this is it. This is it. He's, he's the new champ. And that was when Solo pulled out the referee. Oh, the camera work on that. Yeah. That was amazing because they kept the shot tight. So all you see is the referee just go, whoo. <laughs> and then you're like, who? Who did that? What is going on? Solo Sokoa. Fucking perfect place for him to. Damn it. Sokoa. Sokoa. Uh, perfect. He's not a tree. Per- he might be John Uso by the time we get to Friday. Uh <laughs> Jerry Uso. No. <laughs> I no, I 100% was behind was behind McIntyre on this one to the point that I've been what what have I been saying since Theory won the fucking belt won the fucking briefcase. Drew's oh, he's going to cash in. Drew's yeah. going to win a clash and Theory's going to cash in on Drew. Theory, By the way, again, Austin Theory once again. Yes. Yep. Uh what a fucking shot he took from fuck. Okay. Okay. <sighs> I am little little Stitsky. I am so He's, very much. I don't know if enjoying, he was selling it great or if he really got knocked loopy. I am so very much enjoying this this new gimmick with Austin Theory, where he tries to come out and cash in, and, and immediately gets fucking waylaid by someone. Yeah. That's happened to several people. I laugh time, every fucking time. It has happened to several people, but for some reason, Theory sells it really, the, really the, good. Well, Theory's just the, a great performer in that regard. The, the, the fuck you, F five from Brock Lesnar. Yeah, Tyson Fury. Knocking his fucking block off, dude. The Tyson Fury one, I just feel because he's not, you know, trained. He's done a little work in the ring when he fought Braun, but and he was in the process of rushing to the spot, so he was like already right. his momentum was already moving in that direction. So yeah, he, I don't think he he hundred percent knows how to throw that clothesline, but it came off great on TV. So who gives a fuck. Uh, and I'm sure Theory's fine. So. <laughs> it was a right cross. It wasn't a clothesline. <laughs> now, uh, unfortunately, we got to kind of talk about what happened after the match because it got weird. First of all, I just want to say I thought it was a perfect place for Solo to debut, and and I look forward to him as part of the Bloodline. And it kind of goes with this whole, you know, Roman's never going to lose that belt. And how long until he wins the Intercontinental title on SmackDown? Just. They got to get it off Gunther, but probably a couple months, and then he'll have it. I don't know. So, um, so yeah, it's a, God. Fetus, Cody, Dicko, Jordan, Remo, Jackson get a point for Reigns defeating McIntyre. Fetus, Bruno, Jason, Sal, and God's Juggalo get a point for their not being a cash in. Fetus, God's Juggalo, and Jackson get a point for Roman leaving as uh, it says Raw Champ. And Fetus, Bruno, Jordan, Gaz, Juggalo, Remo, and Jackson get a point for Roman leaving as SmackDown champ. So before we get to the song... Wait, I didn't pick any cash-ins. I just have what, what uh, Troy wrote down here, so... I Troy fucked up. I said also, your name. I said your name. J- Fetus, okay. Fetus Bruno, the, Jason, Sal, Gaz, Juggalo. Okay. Uh, and, and you got my half point for the Dominic turn, right? Mm-mm. Nope. Uh, Wasn't on the poll. Wasn't in, in the predictions. In last place... you on my poll, motherfucker. <laughs> Gentle. In last place, Troy, with two correct, uh, tied for eighth with three points. Adrenaline in my soul, where the fuck is Cody Rhodes? Myself, Sal, and Remo. Sixth place with four points, uh, Dicko Loco and Jordan Wedgwood. 
Fourth place with five points, Bruno and Jason. Third place with six points is Jackson. And tied for first, seven points out of a possible nine points. Beatus, Rhodes, and God's Juggalo. Job. Nicely done, gentlemen. Nicely done. I was over here not assuming gender, but uh, you do you. So, sing a long time. Sing a long time. Yes. So Roman, well, Roman is in the ring and Tyson Fury comes in. And now you're thinking like, oh, shit, they're going to brawl. That was where this failed, by the way. Yeah. Because they set it up like something major was about to happen. Yep. So they Um, left you in a position to go, oh, that was it. Hmm. And that'd be the way you end the show. And that was the biggest problem, I think. Right. Because you, you should have just ended with Roman and Solo celebrating, and that's it. And everything else could be for the for the live crowd, and that's fine. Yeah. But so Tyson Fury gets in the ring. Everybody's like, oh, shit. Instead, they shake hands. He shakes Roman's hand first. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. And then Roman leaves, and then Drew's kind of still selling. Yeah. And then and he, I'm waiting for him to knock Drew the fuck out. Yeah, because I'm like, okay, right. he shook Roman's hand, so he's going right. to fucking hit Drew, and we can have Drew and McIntyre. I mean, we can have Drew and Fury at some point. Yeah. yeah. And we might at some point. But it, instead, it turned into a, oh, you gave it your best try, mate. It's okay. You'll get him next time. Aren't you Wait glad to be second? Home? Hold on, i got to look something up now. <laughs> um. Yeah, it turned into like, oh, shucks, I really tried. Oh, well, guess I'll get them next time. Let's sing. What? What the fuck? You motherfuckers. What? Were you aware of the fact that they're rebooting Quantum Leap? Yes. Uh, Yeah, apparently Adam was. I was going to mention that in the opener and I got distracted. I had no idea. I just saw a commercial for it on the football game. Uh, yes, oh. I saw a commercial for it during Raw, and I nearly shat my pants. I am uh, very excited about this. But it's not Sam Beckett. It's some other fucking it's, dude. No, but they're looking for Sam. It's like it's a it's not a reboot. Oh, it's, a is conti- it? it's a continuation. Oh, that's if even Scott better. Scott doesn't show up at some point. I'm right. Gonna... Oh, I'm, I'm. He will. But he's on CBS, isn't he? On that? Is, are they still doing that NCIS? I don't fucking know. Right. Eleven days. Eleven days in the fucking bio. Eleven days till it debuts. I'm fucking so excited. Um, what I really hope is they finally find Scott Bakula and he's the quarterback from Necessary Roughness. <laughs> he's like stuck in that character. That'd be great. Oh boy. So Kathy Island's still hot. <clears throat> oh yeah. Forever gonna be hot. Um, Elizabeth Hurley doesn't fucking age, so no. She still looks the same way she did in Austin Powers. If you check out her Instagram, Jesus Christ. She's like 56. I know, and she's in bikinis and shit. Trish is almost 50, and she looked fantastic when she was on TV. She did? But she looks like she's getting older. Like, Elizabeth Hurley really doesn't. At all. Uh, But anyway. um, Jason did Heather Locklear was the same way. She didn't get old until very, very, very late. Jason, did McIntyre think they were off the air? I would assume so, because that that's the way they ended a lot of shows, house shows especially. House shows, sure, For yeah. a long time. I mean, The Rock and Austin used to do sing-along at the end of every house show. And that's fine to send the crowd Although, to be fair, to be fair to McIntyre and this whole thing, there was, I don't know if you were there or following it at the time, Sal, but there was an episode of Raw from the Fleet Center at the time. 
And they did the famous Rock in Austin Margaritaville segment. Mm-hmm. And we in the building were like, oh, there's no way that was on fucking air. Like, that was clearly, like, the end of the show thing. And then we got home and watched the recording because we recorded it on our VCRs at the time. <laughs> um, and it was on the air. Like, it was on air. actually ran that on TV. So, yeah. You know, they do it. So they've done it before, so there's precedent. Sure. Um, it was just weird. And you got to program your VCR to end at 11.08 because you never know. Yep. Um, yeah, it was just weird after that big title match. It just, it just made it look like Drew did not go to war for 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Oh, he's singing. He's going to have a pint. Everything's fine. It's all fine. It's like if at the end of WrestleMania 6, Sergeant Slaughter loses, and then they get in the ring and go, Take me home, country. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, to that point, uh, WrestleMania 8, Hogan didn't win, or he did win by DQ. He didn't pin Justice, but it was still like him and Warrior were just like, Let's pose, brother! Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird to end the pay view like that, but it is what it is. Um, also, I had, I had said something to the effect of, if if not now, then when? And now I feel like you can't take the title off Roman until WrestleMania. Because you're already gone two years, and it's got to be a big event when he does. You know, it depends belt. on the scenario, because they're already sort of playing a little bit into the Kevin Owens still feels like he should have beaten Roman. Yes, and I don't true. think you can pour Owens back into a Roman program without having him win this time. So, if that is a the direction they go in, I think he almost got to put the title on Owens, at least one of the two titles. I feel like we're we're going in the direction now that now that Solo is there, that this will kind of push Sammy out. Right. We can get a oh, hundred percent. We can get a Sammy and Kevin thing, and that'll be yeah. the driving factor behind. That'll the be Sammy and Kevin versus the Usos. Yes, that's where they're going. Yeah. Which is why I think Owens, if he does get another shot, he ends up losing because of, of the bloodline. And then that's where you kind of do the Sammy Owens versus the Usos story from. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Moving on to another live special plugged event. I don't Premium. Know what Pre- a PLE. Yeah. A play. A play. Plea. <laughs> If you or anyone you know suffers from PLE. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is what it's like when worlds collide. Um, <coughs> as uh, as we discussed before we started recording, I did not get a chance to watch Worlds Collide. I wanted to watch Worlds Collide. Uh, I did not get a chance to watch Worlds Collide. Uh, I probably still will at some point. I was going to say, I would suggest you go back <laughs> for that one. Just just for Ricochet and uh, Carmelo Hayes. But that was fun. Yeah, I bet it was. I'll get there. I assure you. Uh, I mean, it was but, the first match, so. Right. So let's get there. <laughs> so who do we got? Uh, on the prediction poll for Worlds Collide, Adrenaline in my soul. I came in the ass of Brandy Rhodes. Whoa! Professor Bruno <laughs> Thomas. Dico Loco 2.0 is just like the first one, but with double the STDs. Uh, Nick Jackson was recently interviewed and asked why they had given up talking about shoes on BTE. Nick replied with, we can't talk about shoes anymore because the only reliable heel in wrestling is Fetus Rhodes. Uh, nice. Myself, Jordan Wedgwood, Jason with a C for some reason, uh, Sal, Troy, God's Juggalo, Lonnie Green, Jackson, and Smathers on the pole for Worlds Collide. Smathers. Uh, 
So let's start with uh, Carmelo and Rick Shea. Jason with a C from now on, I can tell you that. I don't know how that happened. but (laughs) Jaken. Carmelo versus Rick Shea for the North American title. Holy shit. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Before we even get to the match, how about that entrance from Carmelo with the jerseys and the rafters? Oh, I love that. Of everybody he's beaten. Everybody he's defended the title against, yep. Gargano, um, um, yeah, everybody. Very, very rarely uh, in this day and age does a match you get that anticipated for live up to what you expected. This one did. This was an absolute fucking banger. And the, the um, to me, the iconic moment of this match is the double springboard where they just try to crossbody each other off a oh. of springboard where they're like six feet in the air and they both just crash down. It was like that scene in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, where like Station gets together and crashes in the middle. I, feel like, like, I think that's I think that's what they that's when the bit that they replayed on uh, on NXT. Yeah. yeah. See, you yeah. say they were both going for a cross body. I thought they were both trying to get a cutter in. No, I think they were both going cross body. It okay. Was, from the clip, it looked like a double cutter situation. But yeah, yeah. yeah. it was it, regardless. It was insane. Um. I was so happy seeing Carmelo not only keep up with Ricochet, but uh, just go with him the whole way. Like, it was, it was so much fun. Now, the finish took me by surprise, though. I did not expect the way that played out with the roll-up with the inside cradle. I think they wanted to keep Ricochet strong. And sure. Sort of make it where, you know, he had a little bit of an out. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically enough. back to it. Yeah, ironically enough, we were... Well, it's weird because based off of NXT this week, it sort of looks like they might be doing that because Ricochet beat Trick Williams and sort of stared down Carmelo after the match. So, um, ironically enough, we're cleaning Jackson's room this week and we haven't... It's got just like a ton of old shit. Like, we're like full-on back up the fucking dumpster to the house and let's fucking (laughs) clean... Let's get full douche of the room. Um, And... uh, one of the things we found in the process of cleaning was his old Christian Casanova photos and, and autographs. So That's amazing. Sort of ironic, yeah. So it goes one right in the dumpster, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this match was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, they did kind of try to play it up like Trick was interfering, but he didn't play into the finish, no matter what they try to retcon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if they run it back, I'm fine with it. Let's do it again. Let's go yeah, part two. By all means, it's, it was a pants tightener anyway, so let's do it again. <laughs> Certainly. Um, yeah, so Carmelo retains his title. Everyone except Adrenaline and Lonnie get a point on that one. Uh, then we get a four-way for the uh, UK and NXT 2.0 tag team titles. Uh, Which apparently was an elimination match, and I don't recall ever hearing that, but sure. Yeah, nope, never heard it once until the bell rang. Between, uh, they, they got the pinfall, I'm like, oh, shit, it's over? I'm like, nope, they've been eliminated. Well, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, Gallus, BJ and the Bear, the Creeds, and Pretty Deadly. Oh, uh, so uh, last week on this show, Troy said, oh, can we get some chicks to come out with the other two teams so that everybody's kind of got, like, some, some eye candy at ringside? And I was like, and yet... Pretty Deadly comes out with Lash Legend. What? It's <laughs> yeah, not the chick I would have picked. Might like black people? Uh, I actually do. And there are actually other black women in NXT I would have picked over Lash Legend. She doesn't fit with Pretty Deadly at all. She absolutely fits with Pretty Deadly. 
No. Gimmick-wise? Yes, she does. We have the loudmouth talk show host and the pretty boys from Europe, and she fits in with them? 100% flamboyant, putting on a show all the time. Yeah. Yeah, makes perfect sense, bro. Yeah, it didn't do it for me. It's because you're not black people. Anyway. Um... So, during this match... No, 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 it's not. (laughs) During this match, um, what's his name? The guy who's the brother of the Olympian? Gabe's, Gables. No, uh, Steveson's brother? Yeah. Um, Damon Kemp. Yeah, he cost... Sean Sean Kemp. He not even cost... um, You just pulled a Sean Kemp reference. I'm very (laughs) proud of you. This is the 90s, that's why. I, I used to watch NBA. Include NBA Jam a well, lot. Yeah, yeah, that too. That too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, happy, Kemp. Fucking Happy Wheels, bro. Kemp cost the Creed Brothers a match with a fucking Seth Rollins to Roman Reigns style steel chair shot. Which, if you're following along with the weekly storylines and the logic here, uh, prior to the show, we found out that Roderick Strong had gotten jumped in the parking lot because Triple H was over still in Europe, so the parking lot is deadly again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I everybody had promo on, on prior well. to this led the, led everyone to believe that Roddy was the one breaking apart the diamond mine, and this was, and we found out this week's NXT, and this was, I guess, the aha moment, that it was actually Damon Kemp, and it was his goal, and he was trying to turn everybody on Roddy and create division between the group and break them up from the inside. So I think this was... Success! Yeah. <laughs> By the way, first off, Fallon Henley, good God. Um, yes. Not surprised they were the first ones eliminated. Um, A little me, surprised. For me going into it, I, I could have seen, I, I picked, I think, the Creed brothers, and I could have very easily seen Gallus. Um, the other two, to me, were just there to be there, but I was very surprised at the outcome, to be honest with you. I did not expect Pretty Deadly to be the ones who walked away. I was surprised, but then after I thought, yeah, it works. It actually really works because they're so good as, as as those fucking shitbag heels. And if you follow them on Did social you media, another fucking interception. Jesus, probably. Christ, if you follow them on social media, um, they've been hilarious ever since they won those belts. Yes, boy. If you watched, if you watched NXT on Tuesday, I'm double side plate check. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, three. It's Although two, two. I will say I definitely prefer Mandy Rose's double belt uh, photo <laughs> to, to. Oh, I'm sure you do. Hey, we haven't gotten there yet. Spoilers. <laughs> no comment. Uh, to your points, uh, only Jordan Gods, Juggalo, and Smathers picked pretty deadly out of the teams there to win. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the women's unification match. Uh, Mako Satamura, there Davenport versus Mandy Rose. Wait. Just say, well, hold wait. on. Bef- but no. Nope. I, I gave you this one last time. My right. turn. Of all of Mandy Rose's goddamn outfits, this might have been the most goddamn of God- the goddamn outfits. This was the goddamniest. Holy shit. It was. Shit. Uh, it was amazing. That was tight in all the right places and just the right amount of tight. Um, I was going to talk about something before she came out. And she uh, also continued to have to pull at it, so that made yes. it even better, because there was the imminent threat of a wardrobe malfunction at every move. 
So, for the NXT fans or the wrestling fans, evil Knievel vibe. A little bit. What's that? Getting kind of an evil Knievel vibe from. I never wanted to fuck evil Knievel though. Stars and stripes and. Right. So. For the fans who weren't really that familiar with NXT UK, I think they did an amazing job with the video package for Mako Satomara and and um, and Blair Davenport. But I thought Mako came out like, you know, tip top after that video package. I thought that was done really nice. Um, and to the point that it actually surprised me. Even though I picked her, it did kind of surprise me that Mandy retained. I was like, oh shit! This, this was honestly one where. I- there was going into it. There was no clear winner. Right. Any one of these three women could have walked out with the titles. I would say. I would say Mako. I would say Mako is probably the least likely of the three. Right. But I, I feel like any one of them could have. But see, it's funny. You, you picked Blair, but you even said last week. I understand she could be in this match to eat a pin. Right. Yeah. And that's ultimately what happened. So according. So from what I'm getting from what Sal says, half point me. Oh. Um. I mean, half point of it makes him happy. <laughs> uh, the uh, and actually, for those of you who haven't watched this week's NXT yet, uh, it's worth it to watch Roxanne Perez absolutely fangirl out as Mako Satomura <laughs> makes her way to the ring <laughs> for her match against her. Like I've never seen Roxanne Roxy look like that on her way. Like it's fun to watch. Then and then totally eat an overhead toe kick. Yeah, there was that too. Um, but uh, Bruno, Fetus, myself, Jordan, Sal, Lonnie, and Smathers get a point for picking Mandy Rose on that one. Uh, then we have uh, women's... And I got a half point because Sal said so. Give him a half point. Women's Sorry. tag team action as uh, Katana, Katana and Caden uh, defend the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship. Carter, underrated hotness. Against uh, Dewdrop and Nikki Ash, props to Nikki Ash for being the first woman to compete for all available women's titles in the WWE and lose every match for them. <laughs> no, she won the Raw Nobody Women's Title it. once. Yeah, but it wasn't the first time she competed for it. She lost every time. Ta- the first time she competed for every title, she lost. Did she have a shot at the Raw Women's Title before Money yeah. in the Bank? Okay. Yep. I believe she had a match on Raw at one point. Oh, you know what? I think it might have been against Becky. Might have been. Because I remember a promo battle between them. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us are really that shocked that Nikki and and Dewdrop didn't walk away with the women's tag titles. There was no point in changing them. Uh, well, a lot of the names we've changed back. Why are, why are we still have Dewdrop? Really? Yeah, I much prefer Piper Nevin, personally. Even Viper would be fine. I can't remember who it was, if it was if it was one of y'all or if it was another show that I listened to, pointing out the build for this match was basically, oh, they're European. That was me. It was Jason. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah to, to the point where everybody except Adrenaline in my soul got a point for this one. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that match itself, or we move on to the main event? Let's move on. Unifying the NXT UK and NXT titles, uh, Braun Breaker versus Tyler Bate. 
The good news is Tyler Bate had just won the NXT UK title. <laughs> like 10 minutes before the match. So he was allowed to retain, he was allowed to defend the title. Two weeks after coming out with it on TV. Yeah. Right. Um, so here's the problem I have. Oh, okay. It's interesting. I like Tyler Bate. Okay. And the match was okay. I have a hard time getting into Braun Breaker's in-ring performance. Like, really? Like character. He sort of reeks to me of the... I guess the thing I don't like is he sort of reeks to the stereotypical John Cena five moves of doom. It's just, it feels like every match is the same. Like, yeah, he takes a little bit of a beating, and then he hits the fucking, whatever, jackhammer, whatever the fucking thing he does is. That's like a jackhammer. And he hits the fucking spear, and then boom, it's over. Like, it just sort of feels like that formula again, and I don't need that. Like, can he Maybe go? a couple yes. Steiner lines in there, you know. Right, and, and I've said this before about guys in NXT, and maybe I'd feel different. Maybe I think he's more of a main roster kind of talent. I think Karrion Cross is sort of the same way. I just have a different expectation of, of NXT level in ring performance. And the last couple times I've seen him, I haven't walked away going, I, he's too often, his match is too often as the main event as the world champion. His match is too often overshadowed on the shows. And it was again on this one. Trust me. I get it for, especially when you're a, a fan of the more classic black and gold. Um, and, and some of the amazing champions what, that NXT has had. Hold on. NXT black and gold notwithstanding. When was the last time you sat at the end of an NXT sh- like pay-per-view special event, whatever you want to call it, and said, wow, that Braun Baker, Braun Breaker match was the best match on the show? This one was close. I you really enjoyed this match. than Carmelo and Ricochet? No, 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 no. I, as far as... Then it wasn't close. The- but when I when when this match was over, I was like, "That was a damn good match. I liked it. I thought sure. I thought it was and, Breaker's and, best." And again, match. there's nothing wrong with his matches, but the heavyweight champion shouldn't be consistently overshadowed by other people on the card. That's all I'm saying. Sure, but his style isn't flashy like Ricochet's and, and Carmelo Hayes. His style but is very straightforward. Ricochet and Carmelo Hayes that overshadow him. Sometimes it's other people too. Sure. I just think it's a different... I would say, quite honestly, I thought the women's match on this show was better. Oh, I don't know about that. I do. I thought Mandy I thought Mandy and Mako and, and Blair had a hell of a match. Pers- I thought Tyler Bate put in a lot of work, to, and I thought Braun put in a lot of work, too. The thing with Braun, like you said, it's a very main roster style. It, it's going to get over when he when he does get sure. up there. Yeah, and he's got um, the promo ability to get himself over up there. I'm not saying the guy can't work. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying we're not dealing with anything like that. What we're, what I'm saying is when I think heavyweight champion, I think you better be the attraction on the show. You better be the thing I go into the show being most excited to see. And it rarely is with him. And I don't know if it's just me that there's that disconnect with or if it's other people, but I've gone into pretty much every special event NXT has had that he's been on more excited to see somebody else or another match. Adam, you've never been well, too much of a fan right. of, of that type of style, the big guy, five, you know, No, he likes and... the Young Bucks, Dancy. <laughs> no, he does not like the Young Bucks, <laughs> But what did you, th- what do you think of Braun Breaker overall in, in this match? I will strangle you from here. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
hadn't really considered it, but but uh, Jason's got a, got a kind of a point here. I I don't have it. I don't see anything wrong. I I have no complaints about Braun Breaker, but it's a very formulaic generic presentation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's vanilla ice cream. It's great because it's ice cream. But it feels like you're leaving something on the table because it's just vanilla. But is it vanilla ice cream because he's still pretty new to this business? It could be. It, it's possible. And they're kind of trying to keep it basic for him in these yeah. matches. Again, then don't put your heavyweight title on I was just going to say, then should sure. put the title on him? The heavyweight champion should be the attraction on the show. Which is hard when GG, JC, and Mandy are around. But still... Right. I'd be interested to see how the majority of the NXT fans feel about Breaker because he's been their stamp since 2.0 yep. started. Yep. He literally was on that first show, and I was like, "Sure, that fucking Rex Steiner, what the fuck?" <laughs> yeah. So is he? Su- I mean, I, I think. I mean, you I mean can, part of this, I don't think they've done him any favors with like the chainsaw shit and all the goofy. Oh entrances. no, no, they probably got some of the most horrible entrances in NXT history. Right, and <laughs> I think that takes away from the presentation a little bit too. Sure. Um, but I don't know. It just it it feels like they're going almost for like Goldberg intensity kind of guy, but he doesn't quite get there. I don't know. I mean, it's something weird for me. But I like his promos. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I, but, I guess it's it's sort of like uh like, like Randy Jackson would say. It's just all right for me, dog. <laughs> yeah. Pitching. Little pitching. Um. But yeah, I feel like. They they rushed into so very quickly rushed into making him the face of NXT 2.0 and taking the title off of Tommaso uh, and then and like like we talked about when it happened the if it was if it was in your house or whichever non takeover takeover it was where yeah he faced Tommaso and he chainsawed through the NXT logo and then the next one he's like hey it's the NXT logo I'm gonna kick it. <laughs> And then from there we went right into that fucking weird ass shit with uh, with Joe Gacy kidnapping his dad. Yeah, that's the other thing. I don't know if anything for me. If if, if Braun's opponents have been up to par of previous even, NXT it, champion opponents, and even <laughs> McDonough, who's a great wrestler, it sort of felt like, oh, here's this new. Oh, and now he's fighting for the title. Like, that was hot-shotted. There was no build to McDonough where you got any sort of emotional attachment to that character either. I hate to say this, but you know what Breaker's title reign would have really benefited from? A feud with Adam Cole. Baby. How awesome would that have been? You know what I mean? And it and, and it would have, like, made Breaker that baby face Probably that you want to see. would have benefited Adam Cole, too, because it would have been, he would have been fucking in matches where they drop him on his fucking head and he wouldn't have 17 concussions. <laughs> True. You know. Hey, that was during the New Japan match. So, hey. Hey. right on under what brand? AEW. Hey, yeah, he's okay. he's with his friends. It's true. It's true. Although maybe not for long. Anyway, so uh, all right. So on this one, yeah, in uh, last place with zero points. Adrenaline in my soul came in the acid plane to road. Twelfth uh, place with two points, Jackson. Tied for eighth place with three points, Dicko Loco, Jason, sorry, Jaken, Troy, and Lonnie Green. Uh, tied for second place with four points, Bruno, Fetus, myself, Jordan, Sal, and God's Juggalo. 
And in first place, all by his lonesome with a perfect five out of five, Smathers. Wow. Smathers. Nice job, Smathers. Now, the show that I didn't watch on purpose. Uh, let's move Which, on. Which, you know, as a podcaster who reviews this shit, you think you would have watched it. Just as saying. A, as a wrestling fan who had who gave zero shits about any of the build to the show, Weren't you I didn't one of the AEW guys on this network? Yes. <laughs> and ever since that show ended, he was like, yes, I don't have to watch them anymore. <laughs> not good. It's not good. I didn't say it was good. I said to review it, you should probably show. watch it. I think we need a weekly show where Adam reviews BTE every week. No. No, it's not a good idea. I think it would make for great entertainment. It seemed kind of bored. <laughs> anyway. What's that song and you'll never see my ass again? Uh, um, I don't like that. On the list for All Out, we had Adrenaline in My Soul. Thank God WWE got Cody Rhodes. Uh, Professor Bruno Tomas, Dico Loco, Memorial Battle Royal Random Participant. Uh, myself. Ty Conte recently discussed her intimate toy collection with Dave Tuna Meltzer as can a part I, of their back. Just adrenaline in my soul. This gimmick's getting kind of old. Just I'm gonna throw that out there. That even that even fits the rhythm. That's uh, all saying. Ty Conti recently discussed her intimate toy collection with Dave Tuna Meltzer as a part of their backstage segment Coke Talk with Tony. When asked about a particularly girthy toy, Ty, Ty described it as. Is this a dragon? I thought it felt more like Fetus Rhodes. <laughs> See, that was kind of funny. That was good. Troy, Sal, Jake, and God's a Juggalo, Jordan Wedgwood, Jackson, and Smathers. Did I do this? Wait, he wasn't on Jake on this one, was he? That's what Troy wrote down. Troy wrote Jake. Oh, so Troy oh, fucked, Troy it fucked up. it up. I was going to say, I think I usually put, like, Big Stick on there. I don't usually put my name on there. So I was surprised. Uh, this is the, I'm pretty the, sure this was a Troy fuck up. Then. This is the list that Troy sent me. J-A-C-O-N, Jake. Uh, all right, so we. I mean, I'll run with it, but whatever. Uh, I don't even know where the kickoff ends and where the sorry the zero hour ends and the regular show begins. But uh, so Eddie we, Kingston beat an old Japanese guy. Is yes, that where, is that where the show begins or? No, no, no. Uh, that's what that. Yes, the Eddie Kingston match was the last match on the on the um, zero hour. Zero. Hour. The last one. I didn't even watch the zero. It, hour. it was the so, last one. All right, so we start. With the triple A mixed tag titles, uh, Sammy and Tay versus Ortiz and Ruby Soho. Last week on the show, Troy said it's uh, Tony Khan made comments that he was going to add another match. This was the other added match. Mm-hmm. And thank God it was added because Ruby needed that broken neck and broken nose. Yeah, for anybody who didn't see the match, it's all over Twitter. She got dropped right on her neck. Simon, um, and then all right, so hold on, because Sammy's getting some shit for this. This is on Ruby. Sammy was like, she got drop kicked. Sammy was supposed to drop her. That was the point of the double team move. Right. She had her. She didn't fucking tuck her head like she was supposed to. That that's true. That's on Ruby. I didn't even so, say it was on Sammy. It just sucks so, that. So miss me with the Sammy hate on that one. I, there's a lot of things I, you can hate Sammy for. No, That's I'm not even one. hating on I Sammy. I'm just, like, feeling yeah, bad for, for Ruby. Because, obviously, you know, it's just another 
one of those fucking things and it, and it constantly happens in this company and you just watch it and you're just like oh man i hope that girl's okay oh by the way jason we've got another non-aew title to add to your fucking list yeah right no that was on my list already oh was it when oh the the triple a yeah mixed no, tag, mixed tag team fucking championships which i didn't know were a thing nope it's, uh, anyway next hook retains the ftw title over angelo parker Damn right. Nobody gave a shit. And Action every- Bronson came out at the end. No one cares. And everybody. He's going to be in a match. No one gives a shit. Okay, because that was my, that was one of my notes from Dynamite. Is who the fuck is this fat fuck with Hook? He's the guy who sings the song. That does not answer my question. Who the fuck is this fat fuck with Hook? <laughs> All right. Uh, Pack retains the Troy. I'm not reading that. All Atlantic title over Kips. Oh, uh, what did he say? No, okay. no. It could be. It could be. It could be racist. So we won't. It is. If it is, uh, then that's on Troy. <laughs> yeah, but he's good. not to make Adam read it. Fucking um, out him, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, Pack versus uh, just put Kip it in chat. Then. I need to know. That's exactly what I just said. Kip Sabian, who it's sporting a new look, and yet still uh, we talked about Kip not Sabian, yeah, interesting. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Anyway. There's your episode title. Why, why does it surprise me at this point? Anyway. Uh, so everyone except Jordan gets a point for picking Pac on that one. Um, he did win with yeah, the Black Arrow, which is always nice to see. Booker, Booker of the Year keeps Kip off TV for a year and a half, does this weird box thing, and then just has him lose clean immediately. Wait. In the kickoff show for the paper. There's a lot fair, of things I want to blame Booker of the Year for, but I'm not sure if the box is his idea. Bill. I think that's all. Her good. name is Penelope. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> now, sadly, she was not on the kickoff show. She, We didn't get to see her until Dynamite. But damn, um, when we did see her. Yeah, and then the bell rang. I wasn't paying attention to anything that she was doing match-wise. <laughs> so. And, and lastly, on Zero Hour, uh, Eddie Kingston. I'm sorry, did, did you say Zero Interest? Yeah. Two. Eddie Kingston beats whatever his first name is, Ishii. Tomohiro Ishii. Ishii, actually. Ishii. Ishii. In a match that, from the clips I've seen, it was... Awful. Um, everyone so except every Eddie Kingston. Man. <laughs> everyone except Gods of Juggalo and Jackson get a point. Eddie, that one. Uh, all right. Who actually thought that Tony Khan would let somebody from New Japan win a match on his show? <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, next. All right. We open uh, the main show with the Money in the Bank uh, ladder match. Okay. Where, as, now, as, wait. As, as you pointed out last week, Ring of Honor champion, Ring of Honor pure champion. <laughs> here's here's a fun fact. I was I was late starting the pay per view, so I didn't watch this match. But I had heard Jason talk about how awful this podcast to the I didn't watch it podcast. Jesus. Wait, Christ, whoa, whoa, no. I went back and watched it because I was like, it couldn't have been that bad, right? And I watched it today. Holy shit, was it bad? I'm surprised we don't have fucking seven dead wrestlers right now. 
with some of those spots and some of those fuck-ups. Good God almighty. The ladders were just constantly in the way, in the wrong spot. They would go to do something with the ladder, and it wouldn't be where they needed it to be. Like, what the fuck was Claudio off? doing with I that just with the say, ladder in no the idea. ladder and no then idea. trying to tip it over? I and then it made trying an to tip it over and the ladder being in the middle fucked it up and they never apparently thought that through. <laughs> I was so confused. <laughs> Although my favorite was probably Dante Martin trying to fucking do his, his speed spots and the ladder falls on him. Ugh. That, that could have turned out a lot worse than it did. I mean, that was great, yeah. Um... Dante also got dropped on his fucking head from a Canadian destroyer when he ran up the ramp and tried to attack Penta. No, the worst one was the sunset flip powerbomb on the ladder where they were too close and his neck snapped off the ropes. Yeah. I thought he had a broken neck. Yeah, yeah. So it was, I mean... Adam, let it's me amazing explain how something WWE to can do these matches and you don't have those types of issues. Yeah, and people will, don't come at me with Joey Mercury. Yeah, that was a... Freak accent, but of all the ladder matches and Money in the Bank matches they've had, that's the that's the only spot you can remember right. really sort of going horribly wrong. I will say there's been plenty of times in WWE ladder matches where the ladders get in the way or or something gets fucked up and it doesn't go the way it, they wanted it to. But they recover pretty quickly. Right. This was, I I don't even know. I think that and part uh, of me wonders if they just didn't care because they knew what the ending was going to be. Because right. that was one of the worst booked endings. Booker of the Year gave us one of the worst booked endings ever. Because he retributioned it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> a because... bunch of guys in math. I'm sorry, no, no. Excuse me. He aces and eights it. So <laughs> Booker of the Year has a bunch of guys show up in masks to take over the match. Wow. And then the smallest guy in the mask goes up the ladder and grabs the chip. And it's Stokely Hathaway. And we know he ain't challenging for the fucking title. So everybody around him takes their mask off, and it's all the guys he's been recruiting. The Guns, W. Morrissey, Ethan Page, who is now, like, instead of the second most important member in his faction, he's now, like, the seventh. <laughs> um, Scorpio's guy, anyway. I think he's hurt. Who else isn't on this right. fucking goddamn company? Uh, yeah, and then... They don't need Scorpio at, Sky. They already have Swerve and people. That's... You don't know if that if, was about... If only they had some sort of training facility where they could practice these types of matches. They'd know, still fuck it up. They don't need a PC. So, after Stokely grabs the chip, Adam, let me explain to you what happened. This guy comes out wearing a very stereotypical white demon mask um, and then all black and like a hood so you couldn't, you know Stokely hands him the chip and then MJF I mean this guy pretends like he's going to take the mask off and then leaves the ring with the chip which I will give them a little bit of credit for paying it off at the end of the night and not pulling the oh, mask off right then overshadowed moments later <laughs> right Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's the uh, winner. So the problem is when you book this as there's going to be a secret spot and it's going to be the Joker, and then that guy doesn't come out until the. This is very like. Remember when Brock won the money in the bank and everybody was pissed? So, this so was worse. The fucking problem, I was there. Right? Here, here's my biggest issue. For those of you who didn't know, this is similar to 
This is more Money in the Bank meets Royal Rumble because guys enter in specific intervals. They're not all in the ring at once. The match looks like Sting meets V for Vendetta. So the the Joker spot comes out, which means he's the what seventh guy to come out. Yep. And the match is instantly over with the last guy's entrance. Which, by the way, the entire time Excalibur is saying, you know, we don't have to wait for everybody to come out. The match could just end. Right. Which How is, is that fair? So, like, if it's just Claudio and Will Yuta in the been, beginning... That's always been the... But, like, so if it's just Claudio and, and Will Yuta, they can just, like, help each other and Claudio wins and that's the end of the match. No one else gets to participate. Claudio right? doesn't need to win. He's already a world champion. I, I'm, I'm using Claudio as one of Booker the examples. Booker of the Year made him a world champion in months after Vince McMahon oh, had him for years and never okay. a world champion. That's the other thing about this match that really, really pissed me off. I understand every single ladder match I've ever seen, there's times where the guy should be going for the title and instead he has to do a dive. I get it. Okay, I've watched enough hottie matches and other ladder matches like the Young Bucks. But, 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 this to me was like more egregious. Like there were times where somebody, oh, it was Roosh. He was in the ring by himself and he had more than enough time in the world to grab the title. But he had to wait for Andrade to make his entrance. And then he pretended to hold the ladder for Andrade. It was just a mess. It was a mess. The whole match was a mess. It was horribly booked, horrible concept. There are much better ways to get to where you wanted to go here. 100%. Next. Oh, you got to do predictions. He Troy, Sal, God's Juggalo, Jordan, and Jackson get a point for King the Joker. Which they really didn't because they... The, it wasn't the Joker so much right. as ex-WWE guy, which it wasn't. Uh, yeah, technically we shouldn't get a point for that, because wasn't it wasn't it um, ex-WWE guy or a huge disappointment, which I, I wouldn't call MJF that. No, I would say it's uh, say no points. I, I, I award them no points, and may God have mercy on their souls. <laughs> I'm agreeing with you that there should be no points, but anyway... You guys talk about the trio's title match and all of Justin's scores, did I? Uh, well, okay. Well, actually, well, no, no, no. This, so, this... So, so hold on. I've never been a trio's wrestling match fan. Like, I've... I, maybe watching so much New Japan and, and AAA and that sort of stuff really soured me on it because it's just, like, so much of that happens. I've never... I had zero excitement, zero anticipation for this. That said... I thought the performers involved did a really nice job telling the stories inside the stories of this match. And that kept me engaged. So I was... I did enjoy this match, and I thought I wouldn't, but I actually did. So hats off to these guys for pulling that off. Hangman Page, I thought, did fantastic work. I thought Reynolds and Silver were fantastic. And I thought uh, Bucks and Kenny definitely held up their end of the deal, too. So I'll... Like I said, I'll give credit where it's due, because this isn't going to be an episode where we just bash. We will be fair. And I thought they told a good story with Kenny. Kenny did not come out with the compression shirt. He didn't come out with any bandages. He actually came out he came out looking pretty jacked on the entrance. And then, um, like you said, the little intricacies with uh, the Dark Order and Hangman and obviously Kenny in the box. And then I really liked the ending because it was something that the shitbags of the elite would do where they 
you know, lucked into Hangman and hitting Silver with the with the buckshot, and then immediately, and this is what I loved. I loved so, they pinned Hang, uh, they pinned Silver, and they held Hangman down and made him watch it. Here's my problem with this. Okay. And Adam, you've worked at enough shows live that you can have this discussion. Guys, very specifically in the back when they're doing a spot like this, will work on how. They're going to sell, I got out of you holding me. And, uh, oh, I'm going to do a quick go-behind, or I'm going to stomp your foot so you have to let go, or I'm going to... Something. Because all that happened here, I think it was Omega that was holding... Um, well, Silver was holding Omega. Okay, yes. Um, Silver just let him go. And it was very obvious on camera that there was no resistance, no fight, no... Omega trying to get away from it. It was just Omega just steps out of the way. And Silver let him go. And he's clothesline. And that's one of those little things that just drives me nuts as a fan. Because, like, why do I even care if you don't care enough to do something similar, simple as Omega stomps on Silver's foot and he has to let him go? Yeah. It's a very simple thing. But it makes everything make sense. Yeah. And that, that, to me, sort of took me out a little bit. That's fair. That's it. I will like the. I did like the callback to when Paige was going to do the buckshot, and the Bucks when he faced Kenny, he was going to do the buckshot, and the, he stared at the Bucks, and the Bucks let him do it. Yeah. And this time they did sort of that same exchange, except they grabbed his ankle. And they grabbed his ankle. Also, I, now it affected them personally, which is also yes. another little nice little intricacy in the storyline. Um, I also liked the buckshot to the back of Kenny's head. That looked vicious, but I thought it was a good. And I like the touch of I think it was Nick Jackson doing the buckshot, too. Yes! Oh, he fucking nailed it. That was actually yeah. pretty he good. He didn't slip on the ropes? Uh, no. Uh, in fact, they the way they did the sequence actually flowed really nice, because it was like a misdirect with the camera. It was really nice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that they won the trios titles, so they can be trios champions forever. <laughs> yeah. More on that in a bit. Everyone More on that in a bit. Everyone except Dicko, Troy, and Jason get a point for picking Elite. TBS title match. I didn't pick the Elite? Apparently not. I think Troy's full of shit here. I'm pretty sure I picked the Elite. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't think he'd pick the Dark Order. I literally said they created these belts for fucking the box. Yeah. I I seem to remember you picking the Elite last week, too, when we were doing the predictions live. I, I feel like Troy's wronging me indirectly here, and I feel like I should just get a win by just to be fair it might not be troy's fault we we did hear he was uh particularly sore today so well stop jerking off so much <laughs> i mean you can say that in, in retrospect but maybe he maybe he wrote jason with Matt jackson i don't know uh, he can, anyway there's like 15 more matches let's go come on he can defend himself next week uh tbs title Oh, Jade won. That was it was fine. It was five <laughs> so minutes. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to say one good thing here. Jade with black I hair. Actually, th- I I think Jade with her natural hair is much more attractive than with the fake bullshit, blonde and green and all that dumb shit. She she actually looked very very attractive here. I liked it much better. She came out. She came out dressed like the Hulk, and I think it was Shivani. Or Excalibur. One of them said she's painted green because all she does is make money. And I was like, no. 
Who gives a shit? Well, I know, even, but I can't... Even, even Athena couldn't carry this girl to a good match. It was mediocre. Yeah, and it ended with the jaded. Like, nobody cared. Like, yeah, fuck whatever. it. <laughs> Everyone except Dicko and Sal get a point for that. Sal, you picked... I picked Ember. Did I? Maybe. I, I might have. Because I was like, who else is going to be Jade? But, yeah, I was I was dead wrong on that one. Next person to, sorry. Trio's action, but not for the titles. Which FD, match was this? FDR and Wardlow. It, uh, they lethal on the guns. Who gives a shit? Look, I like the most super machine guns again. That's the problem with the show. There's way too many like who gives a shit matches. Uh, like I like the guy. I like the most super machine guns. I'm a big fan of that. Oh, one. that's the right. Match, the work in the match was fine, but eh, I whatever. It didn't I forgot work. it was MCMG. I saw the guns and figured it was fucking cold. No, uh, no, it was actually it was all right. It was fun. I, yeah, I enjoyed fine, the match. Had no consequence. Didn't really mean anything. So everyone except Smathers picked. Uh, Fuck you, Smathers. Or enough to your other. Willie Hobbs and uh, Ricky Starks. Should have been much more than it was. You talk about a I match that pissed me off. Uh, it was basically a squash for yeah. for Powerhouse Hobbs, which, if that's the way you're going to go, just do that shit on Dynamite, man. Don't do that shit at the pay-per-view. What a waste of time. And I re- obviously I'm a big fan. I'm a fan of both these guys, but... You have this this personal issue between them that evolved from them being a tag team, and this is what you do with that? You have a three-minute match that Powerhouse just wins? I, I don't know. What the fuck? Match meant nothing. Move on. Tag titles. Now this is going to be interesting. Oh, oh everyone except Dick. Swear My Glory versus the Acclaim. And this is interesting, because this is surprising. Surprised me because it was, it was a really fun match, and there were times where I wasn't sure who was going to win. This might be okay. my favorite match. There it is. I've seen from a few different places that this was probably the best match on the show. Yeah, the acclaimed super over. Obviously, everybody loves the acclaimed. Uh, um, and it was fun, man. They 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 went for about maybe eighteen minutes, maybe twenty, but it was a good match. Uh, Swerve and Keith Lee played into their heel role because the crowd obviously were going with the claim. So Swerve and Keith Lee leaned into it, and I thought it was great. They had some truly great false finishes. Yes. Yep. Um, some moments where you really fucking believe that they were going to pull the trigger and go to the acclaimed. Um, but I think we've waited long enough. It's time to talk about the elephant in the room and the the post all out scrum and the big giant events that occurred. At that, because we do, we have like five matches left on the predictions. Yeah, but it, this is the point in the mat that this is the point of the evening, Sal. Because what happened was Swerve and Keith Lee were sitting at the table with Tony Khan at the post post match scrum, and one of the journalists, I, I'm not doing that part of the scrum. Oh, so I got you, I got you. That was the joke. Um, one of the journalists actually asked Tony Khan, like, when you're in a situation like that, and it's so very obvious what the crowd wants. Do you call an audible? Do you sit back there and go, okay, no, no, no. What we had planned is not what we, we need. To, we need to pay off this for the crowd. Well, and basically... watching the match, you'd already know the answer to that question, considering the fact that the title <laughs> didn't change hands? 
Well, I think the idea was, does that thought cross your mind kind of thing. Um, And basically, Tony Khan's response was, well, I mean, this match was so well received by the crowd. And, you know, I think it's the only fair thing would be to, like, sort of run it back and give these guys a rematch at Arthur Ashe. And I'm like, you could almost see the realization on Swerve and Keith Lee's face, like, this motherfucker's going to take the titles off of us. He basically just told the world. Tune into Arthur Ashe, and you're going to watch the acclaimed win the tag titles. And they both got visibly angry, and their responses became angry in that moment. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it, because it was quite interesting. Um, to where Swerve started ripping the acclaimed. Like, oh yeah, I know they've done a lot of it. They're not over because of what they do. They're over because of their raps. and blah. Just talked a lot of shit. Like, almost out of gimmick. Um, which I think this might be the last post-pay-per-view scrum that AEW does. There's no point in it. But, but it was clearly an agitating situation for them. And you know how you avoid that situation? You have a conversation with, with Keith Lee and Swerve before the scrum. And you say, hey, we're going to run this back at Arthur, Arthur Ashe. You know what I mean? And then you avoid that surprise, like, what the fuck, dude? Are you serious? Or like, per- perhaps don't hold an unscripted, non-kayfabe press conference following your fucking pay-per-view. Well, Triple H did do that after um, Clash at the Castle. But what was asked during that was different. It was more like, you know, we love coming here to England and, you know, we made a whole week of it and the fans and it was it wasn't handled. One company handled this shit professionally and one did not. So because um, you didn't see any bullshit at the WWE uh, post uh, live event press conference. It was like Stephanie was out there. Triple H was out there. And I. I think maybe drew was out there but everything was just how great england was you know what i mean uh but anyway almost, it's almost like triple h knows better how to compose himself when taking questions from the press All right funny crazy. And, it is crazy and isn't uh hi well there's that but i was gonna say isn't uh trying to rattled have the press be his best fucking friend coked up he isn't playing to the press he isn't letting the press dictate the conference we we gotta get to the big thing like so so this match was good arthur ash stadium the acclaimed are gonna win Mm -hmm. the titles so yeah Everyone except Troy, Jason, and Jordan get a point for that match. We move on to the women's, sorry, the interim women's championship match. Uh, I will say another good camera shot with uh, somebody pulling the ref out when Jamie Hayter had the win, and that somebody was Britt Baker, and that actually got a really nice reaction. And they did a little something on BTE for it, too. It was good. Um, but then Tony, but Tony Storm won, so... Well, it's whatever. We kind of all figured that. I think we all picked on Did we? Did we all pick? Let's go to the predictions. 
It depends on what Troy said I picked. I know I picked Tony Storm. I don't know what he put on the sheet. I thought that I had picked, uh, I thought that I had picked Brick Baker, but apparently I picked Tony Storm. Cody, Dicko, Adam, Sal, Jason, Gods, Juggalo, and Smathers get a point for the uh, women's match. Uh, Christian Cage, uh, more so Luchasaurus, uh, defeats Jungle Boy. Well, you know, real quick, um, when they say, you know, when the AEW stands come out and they say, Oh, AEW made Tony Storm their champion. Can can people come back and be like, uh, 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 interim? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Christian Cage. Apparently, Christian's hurt. Shocking. I know who isn't in this company. Um, but lo and behold, Luchasaurus pulls a big show and turns back to being a heel and beats the shit out of Jungle Boy before the match. So all Christian has to do is hit on prettier. And that's it. That was the match. It was 20 seconds. They'll switch. I feel like they called it on prettier on commentary, which obviously is a mistake. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, it was a nothing match. So, again, Christian reportedly is having surgery. Jungle Boy even commented on it on Dynamite. Um, so, fucking just scratch the match if you're going to do that. I don't know. I guess you could fight Luchasaurus for the next month. So that's two nothing matches on the pay-per-view proper so far? At least. Because the latter match, even though it had a even though it had a purpose, was garbage. Uh, everyone except myself, Fetus, God's Juggler, Jordan, and Smathers get a point for that. Uh, Chris Jericho and Daniel Bryanson. I give credit to uh, Daniel Bryanson. He found Nick Carter and got him to sing his opening theme. See, you would laugh at that if you saw it. Um, the guy who does Brian's theme sang him down to the ring and was dressed like a 1997 Backstreet Boy. I'm not making that up. <laughs> you can go YouTube it. Uh, and then fucking Jericho won after a low blow and a Judas effect. Jason? I know you had some thoughts on this match. This was boring as shit. And I like I like Daniel Bryan, or Bryan Danielson, whatever you want to call him, wherever he is. Uh, Jericho doesn't do anything for me anymore. He sucked the entertainment out of Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, in this match. But it was, it but was, it was to me, it was, it was El Corazon sort of de Leon, Chris Jericho. To me, it was sort of just like a slow, plotting Fucking like yeah, let's go out there and just do stuff. And there wasn't a whole lot of cohesion. A lot of was I just didn't enjoy it. it. wasn't wasn't something I was in. You know what aggravates the shit out of me? When Taz and um, who else was there? Oh, Regal. Both of them act like the guy they're looking at in the ring is the same guy they fought thirty years ago. Oh, I've been in the ring with with Lionheart. You don't understand. Jericho takes it to a different level. No, shut up. Stop it. Yeah, maybe he did in 1997. This is in 1997. Just because he wears the tights doesn't mean he's fucking Lionheart Chris Jericho. But, uh, but Jericho won, so Jericho is Daniel Garcia's dad? Uh, Yeah, but then he disowned him later, but we'll get to that. <laughs> Alright, so apologies to Troy. Apparently I did pick the Dark Order in the trios match. I must have hit the wrong button. Whatever. Alright. 
Pretty sure I literally said I was picking the other one on the thing, but... Eh, but, uh, Dicko, Jason, and Smathers get a point for Jericho. I'm not... Um, another trios match. No fucking reason. New Japan, this is one mm-hmm. of As many people on the show as you can, yes. you want a bunch of multi-person match. The House of Black... Which will Darby no longer yeah, which will no longer be called that going forward. Which, which is Sal's mm-hmm. least favorite group. Oh my god. <laughs> um. So, Adam, let me tell you what happened. Sting used the mist, his own mist, black mist, even though it barely showed up, on Alistair Black and won the match. Uh, I would have thought Sting was a swallower. You would have thought. Yeah, and then Black waved goodbye to everybody because he was like, "Fuck this shit, I'm done with this." Another match that nobody I, I give two fucks about. Again, I said it before. Darby Allen has been really hampered by this Sting attachment. It's done nothing for him. Sting overshadows him almost every time. What he's do you out mean? There. He's in the World Championship tournament. Oh, and he actually did say he wasn't coming out there with Sting, so maybe that's done for a little bit. I would love nothing more. Right. Um. He's still going to lose. Yeah, Sting comes out there, and that's the problem. Oh, it's spoiler, Sting. Sorry. And so he's in front of the crowd. I'm sorry, it's, it's Sting! And he's in go. front of the crowd. And Chicago like is... the first one. <laughs> he's in front of the Chicago crowd, and they're loving Sting. Because it's fucking Sting. And that's the problem. Is he, You hear him get these reactions, and it's like, no, stop that. The guy can't fucking go anymore. Stop doing that, because then you make Tony think that it's working. It's not working. Miro Although, disappeared for a portion of this match. I don't know what fuck happened to him, but... Disappeared for a portion of the year, <laughs> That's too. true. Although now I would, uh, uh, would really enjoy hearing Tony Schiavone go, It's fucking Sting! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh... <laughs> On screen. Uh, everyone except Cody Jackson and Smathers get a point for that one. And finally, mercifully, move on to our main event. CM Punk gets his rematch against John Moxley again. Everything I said about this match last week was a hundred percent. You talk about we got a modern miracle. CM Punk's foot was healed. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly my point. He even waved it at John Moxley to start the match. But Sal, these are your boys. Go ahead. Obviously, it was a better match than the one in Dynamite. I mean, <laughs> it didn't take much. Um, Moxley got really mad because Punk bled first. And, you know, it, it, what you would expect from these two, I will say Chicago is hot for it, obviously. And they were behind Punk. And I, I will, I kind of like the ending with the, um, what happened was Punk hit the, hit him with the GTS. Moxley, but it was too close to the ropes. So Moxley bounced off the ropes and landed back on Punk's back, who was now in a kneeling position. And he was supposedly. Who in a Herculean right, feet of He was strength. supposedly out cold. So now what the fuck's Punk going to do? Well, he lifted With him up. With a bad foot that he couldn't even hold, he couldn't even stand on while delivering a kick. Now all of a sudden has the ability to lift a 235-pound human being from a dead squat up in the air to hit a second GTS for the win. win. And there it is. 
the new undisputed elite wrestling world champion, CM Punk. Forever. He had a celebration. Obviously, Chicago loved it. And then the lights go off and we hear a voicemail and it's Tony Khan's voice. And he's like, listen, you've been gone for a long time. And, um, listen, listen, I need another eight ball. This is, this is my final offer. If, if you take this offer, I'll pay you more and, and, and I'll put you in the casino ladder match. So lo and behold, out comes the devil or the demon or the demon King, whatever the fuck he was that night. And he pu- no, nope, he appeared on the screen first. Well, no, first the they, they played Punk's promo from right. 2005 in Ring of Honor when Punk called himself the devil. They played that part of it. Then you see the devil on screen take off his mask and put on the, the scarf, the Burberry scarf. And then we hear his music. And the crowd went ballistic because they were like, yes, MJF. Supposed to be a heel. Thought you liked punk. Weren't you just behind this guy? Fickle! Uh, um, yeah, and MGF gets a hero's welcome, even though it's supposed to be a heel. Uh, makes a weird belt motion, says the belt's coming home with me, off mic, and then uh, flips off the crowd, because it's MJF. So it was great seeing MGF back, but... I don't know. Jason, what were your thoughts? Forget about the match, but what were your thoughts about the post-match? I've been trying to forget about oh, the there. match. What were your thoughts about the post-match? Um, predictable. Expected. Um, contrived. It was fine in pro-wrestling sense, but like the whole voicemail thing. Eh. I kind of like the voicemail thing. I, f- I know it's been done before. It was also so obviously staged. Like, I don't know. It's just... Like, we're supposed to believe that Tony Khan and his backstage production truck, somebody is allowing MJF to play a private voicemail of Tony Khan, and Tony Khan's just like, all right, cool. How about I play a video package? But, like, it's just... It was so dumb. It was contrived. I will give you that. Um... There were so many better ways you could have done this. Just saying. Minus the voicemail, I like that they paid off the devil at the end of the pay-per-view. Because you kind of told... You know what I mean? Because you can't let anything breathe. You couldn't like do that the next... On Rampage or on Dynamite, sorry. Um, you had to end, It had to be before the end of the pay-per-view. You had to beat people over the fucking head with it. You can't just end a show with with the new champ celebrating because, God forbid, we have to have a surprise or a debut or... When was the last time a pay-per-view just ended with, like, a guy celebrating? Well, like you said, MJF returning was predicted and expected. So I feel like if you don't do that, then you're going to get backlash for it. Was it expected? I think I think a yeah. lot of people were were talking about MJF making his return and all out. But he's back. That, okay, let's talk about two weeks ago. I was like, where the fuck is MJF? All right, let's wrap up predictions. Uh, everybody except Cody, Bruno, God's Juggler, Jackson, and Smathers get a point for picking CM Punk. Move to the points in eleventh place with eight out of a possible teen. Uh, Jordan Wedgwood and Jackson. 
In eighth place with nine points, Troy, Gods, Juggalo, and Smathers. In fourth place with ten points, Fetus, Rhodes, Adrenaline, uh, Bruno, and Dicko Loco. And uh, tied for first with eleven points, Sal, myself, and Jaken. Nice! Sal, you would have had number one all by yourself if you hadn't made us uh, take away a point for that uh, Battle Royal. But what do you think? Fine. All right. Now, now, Adam, did you watch the the media? I've scrum? seen clips from the media scrum. That's all you needed to see was clips. <laughs> all right. So, how do we want to do this? Uh, I think you need. To, we need to discuss exactly uh, what Punk said first. Okay, you go ahead. So. Punk is up there. It's your boy. Now, mind you, I, I didn't catch what the reporter asked him. I have no fucking idea what the reporter asked him. Does anybody? I don't think a reporter asked anything because okay. he was still sitting down at the point. And it was Nick Hausman from, God, I forget what website he works for now. Uh, he's a Chicago guy. Yep. Uh, and, and CM Punk, I think he saw him and immediately went after him. I think like seeing him, knowing that he used to work with Colt Cabana, triggered Punk immediately. Yeah. So, out of nowhere, Punk goes on this fucking tirade about Scott Colton. Actually, you know what? No, I did see a clip. Somebody asked him something, and and it, I heard Scott Colton's name in there, but it wasn't, like, in reference to anything. But anyway, Punk hears the name Scott Colton, and this is his time to decide to just shit on Colt in front of the world in front of his boss and say everything of why Colt was wrong in the lawsuit situation and then admits like in a very very fucking cock I'm sorry not using that as a pejorative in a very motherfucking goddamn asshole way that they subpoenaed Colt's mother because during Discovery, they found out that he shared a bank account with, as Punk called it, Old Marsha. Um, and that as soon as he subpoenaed his mother, uh, all of a sudden, Colt wanted to drop the lawsuit. Now, just to unpack that, why do we need to know that? That That's to be something for the courts. Like, I don't, I don't need to know that Colt and his mother share a bank account. That's some fucked up shit, dude. <laughs> like, how much of a fucking asshole are you? That's number one. Then, um, Punk goes off because he's saying that people said that he got cold fired. And he's like, well, we have irresponsible people who call themselves EVPs who couldn't manage a target. Decides to take another shot at Adam Page for, quote unquote, going into business for himself uh, during their build up to double or nothing. Uh, meanwhile, Tony Khan the whole time is sitting next to Punk while he's doing this. And has nothing to say. What? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing talking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he says fucking fuck all nothing. And then Punk just pretty much finishes up with, like, I have nothing to do with anybody who gets fired. I don't give a shit where Scott you Colton said, works. You, you mentioned the part about the EVPs, but you also skipped over the, like... Empty-headed, dumb fuck. Yes. Well, I said he called out Hangman Page for that shit in the promo. Yeah, but it was the way he did it. He called him an empty-headed, dumb 
fuck like Hangman Adam Page. That's what he said. Which, again, you're just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I thought you were here to talk about Chicago and your title win and, and whatever. Here's 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 the here's the exact quote, which is if if you put a second of thought into it, kind of ironic. Uh, what did I ever do in this world to get to deserve an empty-headed fucking dumb fuck like Hangman Adam Page to go out on national television and fucking go into business for himself? Dave, Dave, what did I do? What have I ever done? While he's going into exactly. business for himself, yeah. Talk about going into business for you. This was okay. So, so I mentioned this in the host thread. If you go back and watch the Hangman Page promo in question, it got Punk all fired up. I think at the time, a lot of us thought that was storyline. That was going to pay off in some way with Punk either being revealed as a heel that's been trying to destroy AEW from the inside, or like something. There were the stuff he mentioned. There had to be a payoff right. to, and there never was. So what I did was I wanted to, when this whole thing happened, I wanted to go back and watch that promo. And if you watch that promo from the viewpoint of Hangman Adam Page, friend of Colt Cabana, who has done all the Dark Order scenes with him for a long time, so they've presume they've, they've got a pretty decent relationship. Um, if you watch it from that perspective, Hangman Adam Page, friend of Colt Cabana, who feels like Punk has ruined Cabana's AEW career, that promo makes much more sense now. Yes. Speaking of friend of Cabana, years ago, even when when Punk had left WWE so famously, um, he was friends with the Young Bucks. Hell, I think he was friends with the Bucks up until when All Elite started. But, as you mentioned, the Bucks have taken cold side in this. I can't say I blame them. And apparently everybody in the Elite is taking cold side in this. At least in CM Punk's mind. Because, as he mentioned in his in his press conference, or his presser, um, which, which irresponsible EVPs... Spr- oh, go ahead. Here we go. Uh, now it's 2022. I haven't been friends with this guy since at least 2014, late 2013. And the fact that I have to sit up here because we have irresponsible people who call themselves EVPs, yet they couldn't fucking manage a target and they spread lies and bullshit and put into the media that I got somebody fired when I have fuck all to do with him. I want nothing to do with him. I do not care where he works or where he doesn't work, where he eats, where he sleeps. The fact that I have to get up here and do this in 2022 is fucking embarrassing. Unquote. Now, Jim Cornette had a comment saying that really this is all over Cole Cabana guys I got news for you he wasn't being he wasn't a game changer in this company right I who is though right I rarely agree with Cornette oh everyone is I rarely right. agree with Cornette but I do say I do understand what he's saying like yeah Cole Cabana at 40 something years old wasn't like the no no it's not the point it's not the point but uh as as has become his new gimmick, Jim Cornette seriously misses the point. Um, but no, I don't think I don't think Punk actually did get Colt fired. I, but the well, fact that he has to address we... this in his mind is beyond insane. It's it's delusional that he thinks people are talking about this at nauseum. So yeah, this feeds into the AEW standard of everybody's got rabbit ears and hears everything ever said about them. Yep. Um, including Tony Khan, who sets that example by responding to nobody's on Twitter, mm-hmm. 
who even remotely are critical of his thing and has Don Stevens fucking pull everyone shit off Twitter. Um, but that being said, after that happens, Punk goes on to say, I'm right here. If anyone has a fucking problem with me, I'm the first one. Come to me and fucking tell me and we'll work it out. I'm right fucking here. He does here. say that. Yes, he does. So what do you think happened after he got back to... Oh, be- before that, before we even go there, there were a couple times after this where they try to ask Tony about that situation. And before Tony Khan can respond, Punk's like, nope, you don't have to answer that because you weren't involved. That's the owner. And you're making him look like a bitch. The whole time. And you're the fucking world, the brand new undisputed world champ. I was so confused. Dude, I have I've watched a lot of wrestling. I've lived through a lot of things in my life. I saw Shawn Michaels in that Sunny Days comment, and I found out very quickly what, what he was insinuating. The, and I've never seen anything like this. The only thing that's even remotely comparable to me, and I don't know if you even remember this, was the WrestleMania in Boston. After Austin won the title, Michaels was in a bad way. Um substance abuse wise and sort of stormed Austin's press conference basically talking about Vince is going to fire me fire me Vince that kind of I do remember that Um, which to this point everybody has sworn was not in gimmick it was literally Sean being pissed Um, and then we didn't see Sean again for a very long time that's true now the injury obviously oh and then the next night Triple H took a big dump on him on Raw so (laughs) right yeah Um, so then Punk challenges anybody who has a problem with him to come fucking see him. So he goes back to his locker room, and apparently the dumb fucks who can't even manage a target came to had fucking a problem see him. with what he said and came to see him. Anybody have the details of the story of what happened that they want to? I could pull it up if nobody has it. While you guys pull it up, I will also like to mention, for lack of a better term, this is pretty much their company. We're talking about Kenny and the Bucks. Minus Cody, they're the ones who started this fucking thing. And you're going to go right at them like that in public? Wow. The fucking gall, man. Like, again, this isn't... You want to go a cult? You got this long thing with cults. You claim you haven't been friends with it since late 2013, even though the podcast was in late 2014, so go figure that one out. But... Okay, I got it. Hold on. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so of course, as with anything you would expect, there are different versions of this story depending on who yes. you talk to. Well, so, here we go. In the Punk and Ace Steel version of the story, the Young Bucks went to Punk's locker room after he finished off the, pre- the presser. He didn't answer when they knocked as he was wiped out from his match with John Moxley during and the emotional strum. So Matt and Nick Jackson pounded on the door and eventually kicked Did the they super kick it down? Ace is what? His wife, who was in the room, uh, has a broken foot and was watching Punk's dog Larry, who will later be a key, who will later be a key figure in the other side's account. Uh, Ace's concern for his wife is what set him off, uh, reportedly throwing a chair at Nick and biting Kenny Omega. Uh, basically, the fightful story says that Omega was initially calm and things got kind of out of hand. Uh, the extra stuff afterwards was very long and included a heated verbal exchange even after the physicality stopped. Um, in the Bucks and Omega version, uh, the Bucks went to talk to Punk, Punk just like he told them to. Right. 
Um, they didn't barge in, but as soon as they entered the room, before anyone said a word, Punk threw punches aimed at Matt Jackson's head. Nick tried to intervene, which is when Steele threw the chair at him, uh, hitting the younger Buck in the head. Omega is also calm in this account as well and was, the prim- and was primarily worried about Larry, who was squealing and barking. Uh, Kenny took Punk's dog out of the room and tried to get Steele off of Nick, which is when Ace pulled his hair and bit him. The telling of the event agrees. Oh, sorry. The telling of events agrees that the war of words continued after viol- after the violence ended, but claims Punk repeatedly threatened legal action due to the shouting portion of the fight. So, two versions of the story. I'm not sure either one is actually fully accurate. My guess is the truth lies. I think we can conclude that the Buck showed up to confront Punk, and shit went down. And it got physical. I mean, that's pretty much the summary from if you combine both sides. You know, I mean, who threw the first punch? Who who said what? That's, you know, do I think fucking Ace Steel bit Kenny Omega? Not really. Um <laughs> uh, that seems to be the one side of the, yeah, uh, the one, one of the details that nobody's really arguing. And and the, may I say, props to the guy at Dynamite with the sign that said "The Elite" with a bite to take out of the corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, one the other thing that nobody seems to be denying is that Ace Steel did throw a chair and it did hit Nick Jackson. Now I've heard reports that Nick got a black eye. I've also heard that he got a um, a broken orbital bone. So. Ooh, is he going to come back with a mask so, like The Undertaker? I hope so. so. So as a result of this, according to Sports Illustrated, uh, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, CM Punk, Ace Steel, Brandon Cutler, Michael Nakazawa, Christopher Daniels, and Pat Buck have all been suspended for varying periods What the time. fuck did Pat uh, Buck do? <laughs> he was probably in the room. Um, the other part of the story is that apparently... CM Punk said something to the effect to Tony Khan of, if Ace Steel gets fired, I'm fucking gone too. Which, good riddance. Because yep. Ace Steel ain't That's worth it. an impact, I guess. Uh, yeah, the Bucks, the okay, Bucks so, uh, I believe Kenny as well, Punk, all removed from the opening of Dynamite this week. Yeah. Brandon Cutler removed from the opening of... Di- oh, wait. <laughs> oh, man. So, oh! This is the moment. Hold on, no, no, no. No, wait, wait, wait. Before we get into the why and the and the morale and all this other stuff, should we talk about what Tony Khan did as a result of this? Really, should, you know, just uh, he stripped them of the titles mean, and suspended them, all of them, the Bucks, yeah, Omega, Bucks and, Punk. and Punk. Now, here's the bigger problem: is that he did all this. He didn't have the balls. Now, if this happens in WWE, I guarantee you, Vince McMahon, you know, prior to him retiring is center stage in the ring on Monday night in front of the crowd talking about what happened and then making the decisions he's making. He didn't, he didn't do Khan that with Brett, so what makes you think he would have done that with anybody else? I mean, he did it with Brett. He did a sit-down interview. Yeah, not in the middle of the ring in front of the... Addressed what sure. happened and allowed DX to go out and make fun of Brett on national sure. television. So I'd say he was pretty adamant about his feelings on the Oh, issue. yeah, okay. Uh, what Tony Khan did was say, I stripped the trios championship and the world championship, and we're going to have tournaments. Never addressed what happened, why he was stripping anybody or anything. Never like even mentioned sort of their a, names. No, and 
he had an opportunity to look like a strong leader in this moment, and he completely wilted. Yeah. It was also it was, um, under the pressure. It was also, I assume, a pre-taped segment. Oh, it was a segment <laughs> okay. where he was reading off cards and standing and in front of a down. backdrop reading off of cue cards. Back which, to you, Tony and Excalibur and Taz. Which, in my opinion, probably the smartest way to go. Well, yeah, because he would have been stuttering and coked out of his mind if he tried to do it off the cuff. Yeah, because Tony live in front of a crowd without a script is never a good idea. But we, we've talked but. for years about, about companies insulting our intelligence as fans. How the fuck are you just not going to mention Punk and the Elite at all? Nothing. Not that I'm not even saying I've stripped them of the titles. Okay. Hold on. We've covered pretty much every angle of the story so far. Here it is. Here's the moment I've been waiting for all weekend. <laughs> Salbert, yeah. on this very show, mm-hmm. on this very network, you and myself have had many, 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 many heated exchanges regarding one Phil C.M. Punk Brooks. Yes, we have where I have told you that this individual has repeatedly showed us that he is a piece of Mm -hmm. shit. And you have vigorously defended this man. And told me that I was incorrect in my characterization of Mr. Brooks. In light of this, in light of CM Punk once again showing us very publicly who he is, I would like your reaction to your previous opinion. Have you reconsidered your opinion on CM Punk? I have. I have reconsidered my opinion. Um, I don't even know. I don't even think that you're happy that you were ultimately right. Because nobody wants a piece of shit in the wrestling business that's going to ruin the companies he works for. No, I'm happy because now he's exposed himself to all those people who are clinging to what that that summer of punk meant to their youth. And that's really what it was, was people who came up teenagers, disenfranchised youth during the summer of punk latched onto this guy as like the anti-establishment, anti-authority God. And they couldn't let go. I'm so glad you said that because that has been your, your rallying cry about my feelings about CM Punk is that I got swept up in the summer of punk in 2011. So here's the thing. I didn't say you. For a long time, for a long time, I refused to believe that Hulk Hogan was a piece of shit. I was like, no, that's just that's just backstage talk. He's not like, it's not true. And then as I got older, and as I read more, and as more things came out. And I'm talking even before the fucking Bubba the Love Sponge shit. I was like, wow. Shika liar, good sir. Wow. Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea, he politicked, he manipulated. Well, you got to be clear because Hulk Hogan. I know, I know. Terry Bollea has like a. But he was really a world class carny piece of shit. And it broke my fucking heart because that's a guy I fucking grew up as a kid idolizing. Who didn't, right? Back then. I did. But, okay, he's a piece of shit. So here's the thing with Punk. I'm being dead serious when I say the first time I saw Punk was against Joe in 2004 on that tape. And then I watched 
you think there was YouTube back then. I watched YouTube videos of Punk and Raven in Ring of Honor. Punk in, in uh, the Summer of Punk, where he basically did the exact same storyline in Ring of Honor, but on a much lower scale, where he threatened to take the Ring of Honor title, not world title, Ring of Honor title to WWE. Um, and then I watched it come up in ECW. And, and here's the thing, before I even go any further, I think a lot of people in this business would consider Paul Heyman a piece of shit. Maybe not now, or maybe they do still hold a grudge. I know Tommy Dreamer actually was going to kill him at one point. But I always liked Paul Heyman, even though he was a piece of shit, because I thought he was one of the best performers I had ever seen. Still is. And with Punk, maybe because he was a Paul Heyman guy, or maybe because stories were coming out of, of when he was in OVW, you know, the brass wanted to fire him and Paul refused to. I don't know what it was. But I always rode with him because I thought he was an anti-establishment guy that was for the people. And back then, you would have had people in RH that would have backed that up. People like Colt Cabana. Right? And then, you know, years go on. I watched Punk win the title from Edge. I thought it was great. I watched the summer punk thing. I'm like, finally, this guy's finally ascending to the top of the mountain. And then all that stuff happened in 2014 or, and yeah, 2014. And I identified with the situation very much so because I've always been anti-establishment. I've always been counterculture. That's why I was such an ECW fan. So in my mind, was punk the first person to trash the WWE? No. Was he the first person to do it publicly? Yes. Was there a problem with the WWE at that point and how it was ran? I definitely, th- I definitely thought so. And sure. And then he left. And okay, he left. And then he started shitting on wrestling fans. A lot. More so than he needed to. And you still did. I did, because, well, he's got to focus on, on his UFC, so he's got to distance himself from wrestling, because... That's the only way he can make his money now. Not fighting, but I figured commentary. And then he came back. And I was like, okay, so now I understand it's too long. It's seven years. But now let's see. Let's see. CM Punk in a different company other than WWE. And it started off fine. And then what's that Maya Angelou quote? If somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Man. I believe that's a quote I've used on this very show in my arguments with you about this very topic. When he started going off about Cole Cabana on that media scrum, after he just, after all that bullshit with the, this whole summer, it's so funny, the summer of punk. Yeah, this was the summer of punk, all right. The cesspool summer of punk. This was punk every fucking corner of the way being a piece of shit this entire year. And when he came out on that media scrum and he started talking all that shit, I was just like, fuck, dude. Are you really that bitter in life? Like, you gotta put Cole Cabana on blast and, and, and shit on Hangman in the box and Kenny? Dude, you're the world champ. You're in Chicago. What is your issue? And it's just sad. And it's just fucking disappointing. So you're ready to admit to all of our listeners that I was right about CM Punk. Does that make you happy that he that, no, yeah, that he turned bad. out to be 
every bit the piece of shit you said he was? Yeah, it makes me dig a little bit harder. <laughs> See, it makes me disappointed. Because I... It doesn't, though, for me, because because it, it, it's not new for me. This is what I knew this guy was. And in fact, it makes me a little happy because now, even if it takes a while, even if it's not me saying it that's the catalyst for people to realize it, whatever it is, everyone now is on the same page. Everyone sees what I've been seeing. They understand that I'm not... It, it's never been about being anti-punk. It's about seeing through his bullshit. And the biggest thing you can take out of that scrum, at least for me, in terms of wanting to know who CM Punk really is, was when he was talking about, quote, Colt Cabana, he said, I wanted to bring someone to the top who with me who didn't want to see me yep. at the top. Because that's the dynamic you have to have to be friends with CM Punk, which is to say you have to be willing to play second fiddle to CM oh, Punk. Oh, 100%. He has to be on top. He has to be over you. He has to be above everyone else. Because in his mind, best in the world was never a gimmick. He really believes that he is the best wrestler in the world. And he never has been. Not even one, not even during Summer of Punk, he wasn't the best wrestler in the world. He's never been. What he has always been, what he will continue to be, is a self-absorbed, narcissistic... <sighs> so, you know why else it was difficult for me to believe all the shit about Punk? Because you know who else was a self-absorbed, narcissistic piece of shit backstage for a long time? Shawn Michaels. Before he found right. God, but sh- everything you no, heard about Sean def- was toxic. Because the difference is, Sean came out and said, that is who I was. Right. I was yes. a Yes, 100%. I was an asshole. And now I have to fix that. Yes. CM Punk never never admitted anything he did was wrong. He still to this day believes everything he Even- did was right. Recent, even right up to he 48 still believes hours ago. he was wronged getting fired on his wedding day, despite the fact that for months he refused to come to work when told he didn't want him in. He still believes that what he did on Sunday night was the right thing to do, and that he yeah, wasn't wrong. I'm sure he does. Now, now, hilariously, sure he does. you contrast this with the elite, who, as we've said since the beginning of all elite wrestling, uh, Kenny and the Bucks—they are—they are probably not exactly the nicest people in the world either, as far as pieces of shit. No, but hold on, hold on, hold on. No, because I don't think there's anybody. I, the whole thing when this AEW started was they called it all friends wrestling. The Bucks and Kenny have always been good to their friends in the business. Other than Cody, they've put themselves <laughs> over. Well, no, I mean, Cody Cody sort of guided them to where AEW is now. I don't think AEW happens. Without no, Cody. no, but what I mean is Cody was the first one that started having issues with the Bucks that wasn't reported. Yeah, I think that was more philosophical than personal, really. Um, I mean, there might have, the philosophical might have created some personal, but I think they just have different views of what the wrestling business should be. And I think that sort of created a fracture both in the creative of the company and in the relationship between sure. them. Sure. But the the thing is, when you look at the Bucks, this whole thing happened, the entirety of this thing happened, other than the fact that CM Punk was a self-absorbed, narcissistic, insecure piece of shit, because they were sticking up for their friend. Could the Bucks have handled it better? Probably. 
Did they instigate any of this? No. No. They were called out. Punk said, if you got a problem with me, come yep. see me. They did. Punk was mad at them because they were defending their friend. Who's right in this situation? Because i got to tell you, I'm team elite on this one. Oh, I think the Bucks are right in this situation. Do I think the Bucks read, you know, talk shit behind Punk's back and told people that he got cold fired? Yeah, I, I think that's something the Bucks would do. So here's the problem with that, though. Well, the main problem with that is the did fact they, that maybe. Colt isn't fired. Well, that too. Um, did they do that? Maybe. But they were more excited than anybody when CM Sure, said. sure. So they didn't do that until CM Punk presumably showed them. With the whole hangman thing. With the hangman thing, with how the Colt Cabana thing happened backstage. Because we don't know any of the details of what happened there. They did. That's true. So they did not seek out confrontation with CM Punk at the start. That's true. Right? This was not... They didn't go out in their promo after they won the titles and talk shit about CM Punk. CM Punk called them out. Almost by name. And said, if you've got a problem with me, fucking come see me. And they did. And he reacted like a fucking child. What's that old saying? Don't start none, won't be none. (laughs) CM Punk, CM Punk, your brand new world champion, um, throw you know allegedly. But he's so insecure. Throws punches. That being the world champion wasn't enough for him to feel like he needed to make sure that everybody knows that he's not the bad guy. He just pins. He is so insecure, so self-absorbed that he can't handle. The notion that somebody thinks he's not the best thing going. He just pinned John Moxley. He's been this way since day one. He just pinned John Moxley at your biggest pay-per-view of the year. John Moxley, a guy who does not get pinned often in this company. Huh? Short of short of pinning Kenny in the middle of the ring, how else? How much higher could you go if you're Punk? Right, and then seconds after he does that, he pulls this shit. So without knowing how Punk was before, because I've never interacted with him, I haven't spoken to anybody who did, at least not about him, um, part of me wonders if the flashpoint for CM Punk had a little something to do with Paul Heyman, because I believe it was December to Dismember. Yes. Uh, they did a, I think it was a Hell in a Cell match. It was, a, the, it was an elimination chamber. Extreme elimination, elimination chamber. chamber. Yes, this famous and story. Paul Heyman, up and down, vociferously argued with Vince McMahon that CM Punk needed to be the one to win that match. Mm-hmm. And for and they put the title on was Lashley, who wasn't even on ECW at that point. If you put it on Van Dam, I would have been all about that because that that was the story. But, Van Dam just but, lost. Yeah, but we're gonna... Right, but we're getting off track here. But yes, Vince was but adamant I, that it I, would be Lashley walking out of there as the champ. And and I think I think knowing Paul Heyman a little bit, he probably convinced Punk, see the establishment doesn't want you to be the guy. I want Of you course to be the guy. he did. That's what Paul Heyman do. <laughs> right. But I don't know that, that that thing ever left CM Punk. That I am the best in the world, but nobody wants to see me on top. 
And I think that very well may have been the flashpoint of that mindset. Which would explain why he had friends prior to signing with WWE. And he was always a CM Paul. He was always a Paul Heyman yeah. guy. But what I mean is, like, in 2005, before he went to the WWE, he got along with people in the Ring of Honor locker room. He had a lot of friends in the Ring of Honor locker room. And then, like you said, this guy starts believing his own hype, and the years go on, and he starts to not give a fuck about anybody but himself, and he loses the boxer's friends. He loses Samoa Joe as a friend. He loses Colt Cabana, his best friend kind of tells you something. I mean, I always thought while they're fighting in court, the money's involved, so of course people are going to get pissed and shit like that, but oh man, this whole thing is making me see things a different way, and it's sad. Welcome to the, welcome to the party we've got. <laughs> Adam, you were a fan of CM Punk. You were a fan of him returning. What are your thoughts on all this? I was going to say, if you go back to whatever episode of the AEW Rundown that episode two of rampage i said then that over the over his time away i my 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 fandom of him him has had kind of waned uh, diminished sure he seemed to be a piece of garbage um but his return was still very exciting yes but but he is one of the few people that can make you go to buffalo wild wings to watch the <laughs> that's true <laughs> Not that I need a UFC pay-per-view as an excuse to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. But anyways. Also true. Um, fair. Um, but yeah, it's it it just proves what Jason's been saying, what I kind of said back then. He is he's not a good human being. <laughs> and, to, and to be honest, this started for me before the scrum. This started for me... Um, Hold on, and by the way, he also 100% gaslit his wife into having a similar mindset because A.J. Lee was never that person before. That, I, that's on her. At least not from the people I know that have spoken. That knew. That, that's fine, and that's probably true. I can't speak to that because I don't know A.J. Lee on a personal level like that. So. Nor do I. I'm just, again, relaying things. Sure. Um to me, it started really, really started for me the night he called out Hangman, and nobody knew he was going to do that on Dynamite. Because right there, then I was like, "Dude, you're on TV. What the fuck are you doing?" Like, if Hangman didn't know you were going to do that, and Tony didn't know you were going to do that, like, what are you fucking proving right now? Like, and once he did that, the fact that Tony still went back to the well with him. That's on Tony. Now, and we've said this from the beginning, since the beginning of AEW, Tony has allowed the inmates to run the yeah. asylum. He has sold his soul to try to create ratings and to try to build this company to the extent where there is no law in that locker room anymore. It's a fucking free-for-all. And you, he spent a year allowing Phil Brooks to do whatever the fuck he wanted because in his mind, and I said this before, in his mind, Phil Brooks was the guy that was going to bring AEW to the promised land. When in reality, that push should have been going to Brian Danielson all along anyway. Now, I my money is Brian Danielson's going to win that title in this that tournament. That would be the best thing but, to do. 
But is it too little too late at this point? Have you tarnished things too badly at this point? Can Danielson sort of bring things back out of the ashes? Not, not to be too over So, the, the trajectory of AEW, to me, mirrors WCW, except that instead of doing it over a 10-year period, they did it over a two-year period. Because... <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Because they were never competition for money. No, 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 they were not. But what I mean is... You know the the plan of of, of starting this thing, bringing bringing in uh, ex WWE guys that had name value, right? That's a, that's a parallel. And then in the late '90s and into the 2000s, you started hearing about all this fucking backstage bullshit. It you know uh, politics like fucking crazy. People doing whatever the fuck they want. People no showing. And Tony Khan has managed to take all of that and do it within like a year and a half period. <laughs> Hats off to you, brother. You actually sped up the process. Is the company dead? No. Tony's got too much money to let it die, and that's fine. But you know what I watched on Wednesday night? I didn't find myself missing the elite or punk. This company can exist without those people. <laughs> I will say save for Kenny, because I feel like Kenny still has the star power to get people to watch. But if this company didn't have Punk in the Bucks tomorrow, I would be fine with that. This company never needed CM Punk. CM Punk needed this company. Sure. And the problem is Tony never saw it the right way. Tony always thought AEW needed CM Punk. They needed that guy to go head-to-head with Raw. And you go back to his time at the top of, of WWE, he was never a draw. Viewership never increased under him. He was champion during one of the lowest periods. That was the period of time where they, they listened to everybody. When Punk had the spinner belt, Brian had the big gold belt, Zack Ryder got the U.S. title, I think Kofi had the Intercontinental title. Yeah. It was like the internet darling run, mm-hmm. and it was the lowest rated time in WWE during that period. Funny thing about that, though. The year Nash was champ was the lowest profitable year for the company, right? I don't necessarily blame Kevin Nash for you that. You gotta look relatively speaking, though. What were they doing prior well, that's to That's what I mean, though. Time. Like, I don't think you can just say, well, Punk wasn't a draw. I think the company itself wasn't that interesting in 2012 and 2013, <laughs> save for the Shield. But it dropped immediately when they put those titles on those guys. You can't ignore the fact that you had Rock and Cena in the middle of that. Like, they were supposed to be drawing in money, right? And and the first match did great numbers. I don't think the rematch of WrestleMania 29 did, that, did as good as 28. But that's what they were banking on. They were banking on that to do great. Well, that was also the time you had Cena cucking Zack Ryder and Eve Torres. <laughs> that's what I mean. As a whole, it wasn't a good product. Um, But... Nevertheless, there was one problem that I saw very blatantly on this week's Dynamite that is going to prevent this company from going forward, and that's Jericho, because that motherfucker spends one minute cutting a promo and completely destroys everything Tony did in the first hour. First of all, he fucking tells the world that Brian Danielson's going to win the, the next match. Thanks, asshole. Second... He goes on this fucking tirade that, and then ends it with drinking in, man, which is a phrase he hasn't used in six years. 
everything you said about Chris Jericho is, is true, and I've always believed that, but this guy, oh, he reinvents himself all the time. No, he doesn't. He just keeps going back to his old fucking shtick. And it's the law of diminishing returns. It gets worse and worse every time he does it. If they got rid of him... I feel like we should change... I feel like the name of this episode should be Jason Was Right If they, Well, we've always said that about Jericho, especially recently. <laughs> if they got rid of him, I feel like All Elite Wrestling could rebound and could come back and be a good product. But then again, as long as you have Tony as the owner, who knows? As long as you don't have anybody that the boys respect. Like, people didn't get out of line with Vince because they respected him. They don't respect Tony. Tony's a money mark. And they treat him as... To the point where um, in in MJF's uh, opening promo when he says, I'll go work for a real wrestling company, I went... (laughs) Not wrong. Not wrong. Um, One last point on CM Punk before I'm ready to sort of close the lid on this thing for now until something new happens. Um, when people have, have asked, and some of you guys have asked, and I've talked to this, there are guys that I know who were very, very tight with Punk when he was there. And when he left, he basically cut off the entire wrestling industry. Yep. So the people he said were his best friends couldn't get a return call, couldn't get a return text message because he didn't need them anymore. He didn't need their support in the locker room. He didn't need the extra clout. And that's really all it's ever been for CM Punk is how can I get something out of the people who are my Mm -hmm. friends? And if I, for the record... I, I, I'm not the world's biggest fan of these guys, but if I am Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, I run as far the fuck away from CM Punk as I possibly can, as fast as I can, before he damages your career, too. You bring up a good point. Do we see Tony bring Punk back to TV, or is it a situation where the elite are saying it's him or us? I don't know. I don't know that uh, once a guy does this to your show, I don't know. Do you ever trust him with your show again? I mean, normal I people wouldn't. wouldn't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put that guy with a live microphone. No, nope, you you have to earn for us like that. You know, they're not giving Kylan King a live microphone on TV because she hasn't earned that trust yet. If I had to put money down, I would say that ultimately Tony sides with the elite. I'd say so. Maybe not for a while. Maybe that's why he suspended them, so he doesn't have to deal with it right this second. Now, in another piece of sort of backstage fodder, for those who don't know, the, the, the stories that come out of that locker room are basically that Cody was the one that was gung-ho about being management. Everyone else sort of took the titles because they wanted to be, hey, we started this company. And then once they saw the business part of it, they were sort of like, oh, we just sort of like being the boys. Um, Matt's wife does a fantastic job. She works very hard backstage doing stuff, uh, setting up all those fan fests and things like that and um, deals with the toy companies and the autograph sessions and all that stuff. She's, she's very good at that. Um, but it's like the, if, you, if you listen to people talk about the Bucks EVP roles, it's sort of like, well, they work with a lot of the younger talent, and they help with their promos, and they say, like, well, that's the stuff the boys do. Right. 
That's that's not an EVP role. And I feel like they sort of wanted the title, wanted the health insurance probably, probably. but didn't really want the responsibility and the day to day and the nine to five and the. And I think that wore them out very quickly. I think that wore away on them very, very, very quickly. And I think they just said, right, we'll keep the titles, but you know, you guys could go do the work. So. But my one, my one issue with uh, your argument to do you bring do you bring back CM Punk is you're saying, well, I wouldn't. This is Tony Khan we're talking about. <laughs> Tony Khan, who has proven time and time again not to be the smartest person in the room. I wonder... How many times have you described AEW as Tony Khan playing with his action figures? Sure. But I wonder if the decision ultimately won't even be up to him. Because if Punk already got paid for this year, who's to say he just doesn't go home? And then the elite make nice with Tony, and then Punk just uh, just stop showing up. Right? I mean, it's not like he's done it before, so maybe maybe it, the decision ultimately doesn't even end up in Tony's hands. I don't know, but I think it's very interesting that he purposely doesn't mention them, doesn't show any, even during MJF's um, like they showed highlights of MJF's return from All Out. They cropped it in a way to, like, avoid any shots of the ring showing punk. And I'm like, wow, you're literally going out. You're Voldemorting this guy. You're literally going out of your way to make it look like you're, you're Chris Benoit. That's, that's what, yeah, that's what that means. Um, you're going out of your way for uh, to, to make it look like he doesn't exist. I don't know if that's going to work. Not in this day and age. We'll see. I, I think there's going to be a lot more to this story to come, and we'll see how this all plays out long term. But I think... Unless anybody else has anything else to say about this, I think we've wrapped pretty much everything here. couple of quick comments from Raw. The uh, monster among men has returned. <laughs> Tripping all over himself. First, first return I didn't give a shit about. <laughs> Tripping all over himself already. Um, I know the crowd popped huge. I <clears throat> the two To me, the two biggest returns... Did look like he was in great shape. He did, sure. Um, With he, did, he annihilated those those eight men in the in the tag team match, so they don't mean shit, I guess. But uh, that's what Braun do. Braun breaks stuff. So no, that guy's in the next team. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, the, to, to me, the two biggest returns on Raw this week were Tommaso Ciampa. Yep. And Angel Garza. Sure. They did say Garza and. Umberto when they introduced them. Byron on commentary, Byron said Angel Garza. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about when when the ring announcer announced them, it was Umberto and Angel, Los Lotharios, <laughs> the Lethal Lovers. So, another who knows? another note on Byron and the Lotharios though. Uh Byron says when the Lotharios are around, he's glad he doesn't have a girlfriend. <laughs> uh which Corey and Jimmy both immediately turn gay. <laughs> well they guess what he meant, but you know. Uh, um. Oh, Sal, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rhea and Dom Mysterio. Oh my god, are they fucking? Um. Well, she's probably fucking him. The, the correct question is: they be they, fucking? Sorry. 
Yes. Baby fucking? She's dominating him, and he's loving every second of it. She, she's packing so, him for sure. Yeah. Um, she made him a man. So Dominic Mysterio shows up. I mean, her and Buddy Murphy be fucking, so. That's true. I mean, if Adam, if you had the option, would you fuck Dom or Buddy Murphy? Hmm. Good question. <laughs> of those two, Buddy Murphy. Okay. Okay. So Dom shows up looking like, um... Da-da-da-da. When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. <laughs> yeah, he's got the uh, slick black... I wonder how many fans of show tunes we have on this <laughs> hopefully, hopefully a lot. So we have uh, the slick black... Uh, slick, slick back black hair and the all-black outfit, including the black dress shirt. Uh, yeah, good thing he didn't talk. You made, um, you made a comparison to... Um... Christian Bale in some movie. Yes, he looks like Christian Bale from Equilibrium and Christian Bale from American Psycho. The, the, my favorite one that I saw was, oh, he's emo Peter Parker from that. That too. Spider-Man. Uh, it, it's an interesting look. I think it's smart to have Rhea yeah. do the talking for him right now. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. He, he's probably better off getting like a little bit of eye makeup. So, Sal, who made you a man? Uh, probably my first girlfriend. Oh, my other, my only other note on Braun returning was the red pants are an interesting choice. Yes, I believe they ripped before the end of the day. <laughs> maybe when he, maybe know, we'll when he fell down. Uh, Sal, anything else? Uh, Dexter Loomis makes his uh, appearance in the main event from under the ring, and great camera work to show the overhead oh, shot of Miz bad. looking down and seeing him just like yeah. roll out. Uh, they do keep uh, hinting that Loomis raped him. It is what it is. <laughs> I'm not exactly thrilled with that story, but... It's very strongly suggested. Yeah, I, I kind of expect better from Triple H. Don't go that route. Please don't do that. Because I feel like that's where we're going. Well, what if he did, in fact, rape him? Then that's not cool. Nor, nor do I think that's very PG. Also, I don't know if you guys... <laughs> speaking of sort of that sort of same line, I don't know if this is... A throwaway thing that we'll sort of we can end it he on gave this. The full uh, EC3 did an interview where he said he came, he found out that at one point uh, Velveteen Dream had hidden a phone or a video camera in a bathroom at his at EC3's house at a party so that he angled it so that he could get a great shot of the men's genitalia as they used. That is fucked up. I did not know about that. That rumor had been going around. Nobody had ever confirmed it, but EC3 is the one that sort of has confirmed it, apparently. Wow. So. So, I mean. Which, I mean, you would think if you're, I mean, look, Patrick Clark's a good-looking dude. You'd think if you'd want to see some dick, it wouldn't be that hard. You wouldn't have to, like, you know, set up hidden cameras and shit. There are places where you can go and see all the dick you want. It, it. Like. Ugh. I use Twitter. There are websites. I said, I use Twitter. Uh, there you go. The only other note I have this week, because so we don't have to end it on Patrick Clark being a creep. Uh, Daniel Garcia in your main event of Dynamite, humping his way to the, to the ROH Pure Championship. Daniel Garcia, the individual with the most main events on AEW television. Soak that in, man. What'd you think about him winning the belt? That's fine. It's a belt that doesn't mean anything. Sure. 
It's like winning the 24-7 title. But you know what I liked afterwards? I liked that he shook Daniel Bryan's hand, or Bryan Hansen. I was going to say, it immediately, it immediately got overshadowed because Chris Jericho came out being all crybaby. And then when Jericho came out, I shut it off because I can't stand him on my TV. Nothing can breathe on this show. As soon as something happens, we have to have the next thing happen. Thankfully, thankfully for once, Jericho didn't have a microphone. He just came out on the on the rampway yeah, and was right. just like, what the fuck, man? That's because they ran out of time. <laughs> he was probably yeah. going for the mic. Uh, no, look, I enjoy Daniel Garcia. I'm not sure if everybody does. I like but, I've told um, you that. I've, I, was a, I was his biggest booster on this show when he first yes, got Yes, not only is he a great wrestler, I think I think he's starting to develop a personality, and the crowd loves him, too. So A little bit. A little bit, yeah. Well, it's his hometown. That's true. Maybe That's true. Better. It was in Buffalo. Oh, that was actually kind of funny, by the way. MJF's promo, um, and then Moxley coming out and being like, oh, you're full God. of it. And he was like, you're damn right I'm full of it. <laughs> I don't know how Troy feels when he's trying to end the show. Alright, but we're good, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're Thanks to everyone who participated in the prediction poll. We're going to appreciate that. Um, hang out with us on Twitter. Send, uh, Tell us stuff. We want to talk to you. Uh, so, thanks for hanging out. At Rundown Network. Rundown Network. On there you go. Adam, thanks for having me. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. It was fun. I'll stop in a little bit. See you in uh, six months. You'll want to <laughs> talk. Hey, at least when baseball season ends, that's the I guess that means that we will run your ass down next time. Bye-bye. Mastanger. You have been listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit rundownwrestling.com for all of our shows, as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundownwrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Network. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling. And you can also follow our host, Adam, on twitch.tv slash the saleser effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production. <laughs>